Variety Sports Network production. Now to your host. Happy Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in. It is uh, the pack. It's a packed house. It is week three, week four. This is our fourth episode now of the Talk of the Gridiron Show on Sunday night. I am uh, joined by a whole host of panelists today. My name is Jimmy Pilato. This is the Variety Sports Network, the exclusive NFL show for the Variety Sports Network. Thank you very much for tuning in, either on the YouTube channel, Facebook page, Twitter, wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe, follow, leave a like, a comment, all of that good stuff. We have plenty of NFL football to talk about today, not just from the Sunday slate of games. Thursday night had quite a bit go go on. We do have a Monday night game to look forward to. And uh, let, let's go ahead and, and let, we'll bring in the rest of the fellas. So first off, uh, the guys that have been here since the beginning of the season, Darren and Tyler, the Fat Boy Fadeaway uh, pod, Sports Podcast. Tyler, your team still has yet to play, so you, you get to enjoy a little bit of a stress-free Sunday. Was it better not having your team play right in front of you? I mean, absolutely, with the way we've played this year. It's been, it was great just enjoying my Sunday, not having to worry about a thing except for fantasy. I pulled out a win with Alan Lazard scoring more points than Aaron Jones in the Primetime 1 o'clock game, I'm feeling good, I'm ready to go, and I'm just excited to be here. Darren, you, you're also now in the win column, so congratulations. First, you and the Raiders were winless for almost a month of the season, but they got one done, and, and I know that one of our other panelists isn't too happy about that, but how are you feeling now that your team has gotten the first win of the season? Well, I'd like to take some credit, the negativity this morning on the podcast. I'm pretty sure Derek Carr listened to it at 10 a.m. when I released it. I just felt the energy from the team, so that was good to hear. <laughs> and then I realized, I said, oh, Nico is coming out, and we are playing the Broncos. This should be an interesting game to talk about. And then, final, and then you know, of course, the final play to end the game. I'm sure he hasn't thought about that as well. So I look forward to... Uh, Getting Nico on the pod, uh, get his information on that as well. So, <laughs> and, and with that, we should just go ahead and bring him in. The other half of my podcast, Far Into the Bench at FEO TV Pod. By the way, you can follow Darren and Tyler, listen to their show at Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. Uh, making his debut on the Talking the Gridiron show, Nico Bryant. Uh, it's it's a it's a rough Sunday, huh? It's, it's not it has not been a great Sunday at all. First of all, I've never been I've never been to the beginning of this show. I've always jumped in the middle of the show. That intro was fucking sick, by the way. I was like, hold on. So whoever made that video, I'm just gonna pop that real quick. Second of all, I was really hoping both of the fat boy fadeaway boys were both 49ers fans to maybe like make that a little bit easier. But obviously, Darren being a Raiders fan, I have. Some strong feelings towards the Raiders is all I'll say. That's all I'll, I'll, I'll save it until we get to that point. But yeah, I have some strong feelings, so we'll get to that point here. But yeah, stay I'm, tuned, people. Stay I'm, tuned. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I said, I I could we could talk about my I can talk football with my head off all day long, and I cannot be more excited to join this great panel and uh, be with you guys uh, for the first time. I feel like we need an intern. of Bart Scott can't wait right now. Like this. <laughs> I need to get a I need to get a producer board quickly and and now i'll bring in the final member of our panel uh and my other co-host on, on the other show that i host on the variety sports network top of the mountain uh rev coca steelers fan so obviously he's also down bad a little bit today he had a quarterback shift but rev how are you feeling after the week uh, or the sunday slated games that we just witnessed pretty good because now you kind of have to tamper your expectations you know going in everyone you know it's it's basically super bowl bust for every team but after a while, you know, seeing as how anemic the offense looks underneath Mitch Trubisky and then seeing Kenny Pickett go out there, a lot of good, you know, he was moving the ball in the short to 
intermediate stuff. However, you know, the mistakes that he did make, every single incomplete pass was an interception. So it just created a weird stat log. But, you know, just seeing, you know, the rookie quarterback for the first time go out there, look composed, look confident, thrusting his arm, even though he was throwing picks. He was just going out there, just being a gunslinger. And after that offensive slot fest that happened in the first half, just seeing something in the second half was it, it was an interesting little uh, transition there. It also is interesting. It happened five years to the day that Mitchell Trubisky was inserted for Mike Glennon. So the quarterback who is once, yeah, always comes back full circle. Time doesn't actually exist. We just get series of events that repeat themselves, uh, which will bring us to the start of the game. We had an early morning game for the first time. I tweeted it out this morning. Uh, London games mean that I get to see beer commercials on my television screen at 930 in the morning. I, it felt good. It felt like I was back in college almost. It, it, it felt like I was right back at home. The uh, Vikings do get the victory over across the pond. 28-25, last second field goal. Uh, the Saints kicker double doinked, uh, missed the game-tying 61-yard attempt. Andy Dalton was back in the fray, so there's there's one thing. The Red Rifle it, it did, not get, did, did not get discontinued. He's back in the NFL. Uh, this was a snoozer for the first. I, I'm, I'm sure – the, the two guys from California probably didn't even have this on until midway through the fourth quarter or it was on while you guys were recording your own show. Uh, that was not much fun to watch in the first half. I live on Mount Standard Time, Jimmy, and I didn't wake up for that game. So, so I was, that's all. You know, so I, I was, was awake because but... the kids, you know, I was awake because I teach and, and I don't sleep past 730. So uh, that game, we were actually, we record Sunday at 6 a.m. So we did that. We were doing that. But then that second half came on. And uh, the, the Saints, I, w- I follow a guy on Twitter who's a good friend of ours, Damian Adams. He's a big Saints fan. I was trying to get him to come on here one of these times. He was not a fan of the refs. It's not like the whole second half he was watching. He was not a big fan of it. That Lattimore play was a little iffy at the end there uh, on Thielen on, on at the end. And then the double doink in good old England fashion, it comes down to a kick. Um, it, it, like you said, the first half I went back and watched the highlights. Not much to it. The Saints are a very interesting team. Yeah, I thought they were going to be a little bit better than this. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Rev. Well, it's definitely good to see the t- the Saints kind of rally because in the situation with Jameis and his whole bad back. Uh, is it a back injury? I, I'm not even fully sure. But... He's got four fractured vertebrae in his back, yes. Yeah. But either way, you know, you shake the you shake the rust off of Andy Dalton, bring him in, play competitively against a very dynamic offensive team, the Vikings, in which we saw Justin Jefferson finally make a reappearance after disappearing for the last two weeks. So it was good to see Justin Jefferson back and to see New Orleans go blow for blow, tit for tat with a team like Minnesota with Andy Dalton at quarterback is definitely something good to see. The pass rush and the defensive line looked as good as ever. You know, with Davenport and Jordan getting sacks and just dialing up constant pressure on a statue and Kirk Cousins. So, definitely, you could draw some good signs given the situation. There is some, some good things to pick up on. Uh, Tyler and Nico, were, anything else that you guys kind of wanted to, to mention? Are the Vikings for real? That's one of the – I was scrolling through the timeline. Interesting question to pose. They are in the in the conversation for the AFC North – division as it stands uh are the vikings for real this season and can they actually get over the hump and make themselves into a playoff team and maybe win a playoff game 
Uh, as far as the, the Vikings, I think they're for real. As far as the wild card team goes, I just can't trust a Kirk Cousins led team, especially with a Dalvin Cook who looks like he's lost a step in the last couple, like since last season, even before he got hurt last year. He doesn't look the same, and without a healthy Dalvin Cook, I just don't see the Vikings winning 11 games, which I think the Packers will be right there. Yeah, after that week one performance where the Packers basically laid, laid, laid an egg and the Vikings just poured it on them, I was all bored. I was like, the Vikings have a shot at winning this division. I don't think they're going to win the division. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, maybe, maybe this is finally the year that, that, that Kirk Cousins can do something. Finally, get his team going in prime time. Like, like we we make the people make the joke about prime time Kirk and how how he basically disappears. This game was at nine a.m. and no, half the country was not watching this game, and he balled out. So that's <laughs> all you need to know. If, if, look, look, I I think this Vikings team has so much talent. One of the most talented, talently gifted offenses in the league. Kevin O'Connell's a hell of a coach, too, that, that the Vikings picked up from L.A. That was one of the great masterminds for what the Rams did with Cooper Cup and the Robert Woods and, and the Higbees and the Acres of the world last couple of years. And him coming over with the, the, the weapons they have is incredible. But as far as I'm concerned, that defense is the most worse in parts of me. I think it's improved with having Darius Smith there. But I'm still worried about that inside that run defense on, and the corners on the outside. When you play in a division with Aaron Rodgers, you have to face him. You have to beat him twice most years, like most years, because you have to beat him once during the race season, and more than likely, if you want to get anywhere, you have to face him again in the postseason and make do there. So, it, like I said, the Vikings, I, I think they have the weapons. I really do. But it's whether or not – look, this team's only going to go as far as Kirk Cousins can take them. It doesn't matter how good Jay Jones is. It doesn't matter how good Dalvin Cook can be. It doesn't matter how good this offense can be in general if, if, if number eight can't sling the rocks then. Um, in terms of the Saints, I'm 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 on the exact opposite way of, of actually a Rev was thinking here. I'm more disappointed in the Saints. I, I think this team could have been a lot better. I think they have a top five defense. I think this team could have been so, so much better than what they were. And you have Andy Dolan and Jameis Winston carousel quarterback going on. Like I said, this team they're very, very talented. It could be a quarterback way. could be a team in the offseason. They go try to snag a guy and like, like a Lamar if he's available or, or who knows what, who may be available. But you're like, this is a, this is a real contender. Because look at their division. Panthers, what do they do today? Absolutely nothing. The Falcons, you can't trust them. And, and, and the Buccaneers, Tom Brady is dying on the field and you're watching it. I mean, <laughs> come on. This is your chance. You have a hell of a defense. You got to take advantage of these games. My joke with the Saints is, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so like, yeah, given the circumstances of not only Jameis down, but also Alvin Kamara, you're down to the point where you're bringing yeah. Latarius Murray off the practice squad, in which, yeah, Murray has had years of productivity, but you're bringing a running back off the practice squad. Meanwhile, on the other side, you see Dalvin Cook, uh, you see Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, so it's you could draw something out of it just from them being competitive. Maybe once their health comes back, they could pull together some of those wins later on in the season. But yeah, it's just not meant to be with Kamara banged up the way that he is and Jameis not being healthy. It's just and that's that's the story of that offense. I mean, the defense is, is almost always intact. It's every other week. Who am I going to play? Like, is is is, is Slant God going to be in the in the lineup? Is Kamara going to be able to stand up on two feet this week? Is Jameis not going to have a bad back? It's it's constantly – that's the recurring theme with the Saints offense. There's no explosiveness on the Saints offense outside of Chris Olave. 
And like with the red rifle, who is like the little red pellet gun at this point in his career. (laughs) And then you have Jameis, who just looks like an autistic not i don't know if that's offensive nowadays but he looks like like no he, he just seems like a not ready to perform quarterback who just is gonna make stupid mistakes oh, <laughs> uh, Dan, i want to hear the i want to hear the joke about the saints after you know i'll i'll turn my mic off here what is what's your joke about the saints <laughs> my joke oh i i my joke with the saints is I got that. De- I always compare them to the Raiders because I always think Dennis Allen, he's the coach now of the Saints. And I always think that McDaniels and Allen should just switch jobs to be the same team back and forth. I, I just really, I just think Allen, he's just gonna, he's one and three. I saw him with the Raiders. It's, uh, you know, McDaniel, McDaniels takes a little bit more heat because he was with the Patriots, but I'm not a big fan of Allen either. So I think that's a big reason. I think it's it was one of the games. It's a good start to the weekend. It was at least we didn't end it in a tie. I thought that's the way that it was probably going to end up going. That's Being true. in in London, they would have been fine with it. Everybody yeah, would have gone home and, and been happy. <laughs> uh, it is going to be weird though. They do think they probably do think Kirk Cousins is some kind of magnificent yeah. quarterback, and he's good. He's he's solid. Not magnificent. Not the clutchest quarterback of all time. You. <laughs> Don't want him leading your your end of the end of the game drives. That's well, not yeah, this time you got one o'clock Kirk Cousins and not primetime Kirk Cousins. So I'm sure the Brits definitely love what they saw there. Probably something something that they weren't expecting. Uh, <clears throat> Is there anyone against getting rid of the gritty? I'm over this dance that everybody. You shouldn't ask me about that. You you can't ask me about that dance. I I told Nico the other week on the podcast. And and I coached this for kids. <laughs> I, I coach middle. I teach and coach middle schoolers. That's all they do. Every it's like fort, a Fortnite dance at this point. I feel like it's ridiculous. They do it through class. Like they'll get up to go sharpen their pencil, and they're doing it as they're going to the pencil sharpener, and then as they're going back, I'm just. I, I almost want to just like shoulder check them. You know, like yeah. oh, I'm sorry. That's what happens. A coal maker, shoulder maker into the into the lockers. <laughs> I'm totally fond of gritty. It's just the fact that it's like it seems that it seems to be the only dance that people are doing now. Every time just someone is the end zone, you got Mac Jones hitting that little halfway gritty, whatever he was hitting against Baltimore last week. You got you got Mike Isecki hitting the old man gritty. It's just it's just gritty, gritty, gritty. There's gritty that just. <laughs> Okay, maybe the white people shouldn't be doing the gritty anyway. <laughs> I think that's a, yeah. I think that's more more along the lines. The bad yeah. gritties are are not it. Jamar and JJS can do it all they want. I feel like it's not that hard of a dance. It's just you know nobody can find the rhythm, and then you just look stupid. Zach Wilson today did a nice job. Yeah, Zach Wilson did one. He was that was just he was he was looking for something else. You know, he heard he, his mom was having a friend over. He got a little excited. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, the next game here. Falcons also get a three point win. They beat the Browns twenty three twenty. Nick Chubb still had a hell of a game. There's the conversation that I heard going around last week: Is Nick Chubb capable of getting to a thousand yards this season? Splitting time with Kareem Hunt as well, and and the last two weeks he's looked like the the running back that we all knew he could be. He does. We I think we talked about it last week leave a little bit to be desired coming out of the backfield as a receiver. However, I don't think that you can, you can say that there's any one running back that you truly would be better off with at this point, being the most consistent uh, speaking from a guy who drafted Jonathan Taylor in his fantasy league, 
and has gotten absolutely zero production out of him. Then I see a guy like Nick Chubb who just refuses to not put up 100 yards, 100 yard games. The the Browns look like they should be able to weather the storm a little bit better than I had anticipated. However, Jacoby Brissett isn't going to be the savior for the entire time. They're going to have to win games in different ways, and they weren't able to figure that out today. The Falcons got a huge win, and it's big for them. We, we talked about their division, nothing else really going on. Uh, what were the takeaways here from the Browns and the Falcons game that, that we were all that we all watched earlier today? I mean, you've mentioned Chubb. We talked about him last week. I think he's the best running back in the league. I think just the way he moves, nobody jump cuts like him. His feet is just unreal. Maybe he does leave a little to be desired in the catching background. Uh, I, I think this is a game, the Browns, I I kind of wish I would have bet the Falcons on this one earlier. I just wish I would have earlier. I just – the Browns with no – that quarterback situation on the road always leaves inconsistencies, and that's what today's game felt like. Mariota can win a game like this if he has to. And he didn't even play well. They had that terrible snap by the goal line. Almost cost him in the game there. Um, and the Fal- what's the tight end's name? I can't think of right, the Falcons guy. Uh, Pitts, uh, yeah. So, you know, they haven't really used him as well as I would have liked to see earlier with the Falcons. But, hey, they're 2-2 two and two at the end of the day. <laughs> That's all that really matters. And like you guys mentioned, their division's not that great. So, I don't know. Maybe the Bucks come back to earth and there's a chance that they sneak in. Who knows? Well, for this game, it seemed like ground and pound was what did it for both teams. Yeah. Both teams rushed for a lot of yards. The thing that seemed weird here is just the productivity that came from just unlikely places from Atlanta. Just Zacchaeus or Olamide Zacchaeus being the number one receiver and Tyler Alleghier being the number one running back. Not a whole lot from Cordero, and just seems to be a disappearing act from Kyle Pitts so far through the season. Then you look at the other side, Amari Cooper not necessarily doing much on the receiving end, and when you have a backup quarterback like Jacoby Brissett, you're going to need to rely on that guy to constantly get open. And the disappearing act from both sides of the field, when you look at the receivers that you expect to be productive and to put up numbers, Pitts on one end not doing much. Mari Cooper on the other end not doing much. It's just a bit of a, you know, bit of a offensive struggle, but the running game picked it up, and we saw some unsung heroes shine here in Atlanta's victory. Nico, what's wrong with Kyle Pitts? Because Drake London had been the marquee target, and he was shut down today. Kyle Pitts hasn't been the, the monster that we were all anticipating him being. What's what's wrong with him? I, I don't think it's anything wrong with Kyle Pitts, if I'm being honest with you. Drake, look, Drake London was, was non-existent this week. But the past the first three weeks, he was the guy. He was Mariota's guy. But if you look at this Arthur Smith offense, people forget the guy, the reason why he was so successful in Tennessee was because of Derrick Henry. They did not throw the ball worth, worth, worth two cents over there in Tennessee when he was over there. They threw every now and then, but the, the offense ran through 2022. 20, 20, and now here in, in Atlanta, look, Cordell Patterson, converted receiver, convert, con, like the whole shebang. But the guy is is at this point the focal point of his offense. You you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of option plays with Mariota. They like they like seeing what he likes to do with his feet as well, and it's worked thus far. Look, Mariota was not known for not known for his accuracy. He was known for just hucking the ball and his legs. And right now, that's all they're having him do. And Kyle Pitts right now, what he was so, so successful at Florida and, and, and last year as well and the year before that was with Matt Ryan, the dunk and dip. Right now, right now, Mariota's not even looking in his direction. That's just – and I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't blame Kyle Pitts at all. And if, if, and if you're the Falcons right now, 
I'm not worried in the slightest because you're getting you're getting victories. You're 500 right now. I, I, look, Kyle, would you have liked Kyle Pitts to get some more touches? Absolutely. You drafted the guy fifth overall for Pete's sake. You do that for a reason, right? But in the same same way, you're getting results. And and a, and a quarterback that hasn't started in three years, two three years. I mean, I mean, what more can you ask for this Atlanta team? If you're Cleveland, you're just a ticking time bomb waiting to week 12. Because look, you didn't have Miles Garrett this week after after that horrific horrific car accident. It's very very happy to see he's okay. And then you obviously you have you have the, the jackass coming week twelve to, to play in a quarterback. So so you there wasn't just, the right I, way to say that. I, I know I, I know it wasn't. I could have figured out a lot of way, other ways. Big fan of Deshaun Watson. Yeah exa- <laughs> yeah exactly. So that guy's coming back week twelve. And like I and like I've been saying before the season, if the Browns can be five hundred. Going into week 12, they'll be in the playoffs. They'll be a playoff team. And it's not even a question. If they can hover around 500 until week 12 and have and that offense can get going. Because like I said, Jacoby Prisett, I joked around. Bula joked around all week saying he's a slump buster. He's Mr. Reliable. Mr. This, that, and the other thing. No, he's not. He is not any of that. <laughs> Mr. Reliable is number 24, Nick Chubb. And, 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 and as far as I'm concerned, like I said, this division for, for, the, for the AFC North, it's it's as open as you can be. You have a super you have a Super Bowl. Did the last two weeks. Too I mean the picks. Steelers just made the quarterback switch in week four. I mean it's a bunch of question marks everywhere. It really is. Yeah, it's definitely an uncertain division. You never know when Baltimore is going to have a second half defensive <laughs> meltdown. As for Cleveland, yeah, you know iffy quarterback play. Cincinnati, you don't know if the offensive <laughs> Joe hold up. Joe Burrow holding the ball as long as he does. Just and then oh. yeah, Pittsburgh is a we're a bit of a work in progress right now. I'll say that. Uh, Tyler, what are you thinking? Can the Browns keep this up? They they've looked good. They're consistent. They're two and two, which is better than I think a lot of people. I mean, I was hoping that they'd be winless at this point. Uh, can they hold themselves together before the guy that nobody wants to play again comes back in Week Twelve? I think they can hold themselves at this, like how they've been playing. They can play 500 ball. I want. I just want to give props to AJ Terrell and uh, Denzel Ward the way they guarded their number one receivers in Drake London or not Drake London. Who's the yeah Drake London and uh, Amari Cooper? They both did this superb cornerback work, and it was spectacular. Do can Cleveland keep this? Uh, I just it's gonna be tough. You can't beat the Falcons. You're in a world of hurt. I'm, I'm kind of surprised you guys said that about the Browns. Weren't they one of the? Weren't they considered to have one of the most talented rosters in the whole entire league when the season started? Yeah, but if you're having trouble against the Falcons, I'm just saying. But you, but he also mentioned like you know, well, the, the, obviously that just shows the jackass, the and then we have their best defensive end out. You know what I, mean? I was going to say yeah. that just shows the importance of Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett was pretty much the glue holding this. Whether he was getting to the quarterback or not, the pressure that he brings from that edge when he's there. He was the one holding this the the team. You didn't have to score twenty three points to win a game. You could score seventeen, and your defense was going to be able to hold them to ten or less. Mm-hmm. And now, without Miles Garrett out there, and and yeah, like Nico said, definitely should focus on being thankful that he's alive. Every I don't know if anybody else saw the picture of the car. Didn't look pleasant. Like no. he's lucky no, he's as big crazy. as he is. Yeah, some of the details looked a little bad too, just in terms of like how. How far over the limit he was going, just the situation. Slipping. Is, I think it was a wet. Rugs rugs esque a little bit. So, yeah. so Jimmy, as an AFC North fan, how do you rank these four teams? 
Man, I was going to say today, I, Baltimore has the chance one, to right? – obviously Baltimore had the chance to solidify themselves as, as the number one spot. Um, the but something's wrong with them as well. The way that they lost that game, and, and we can kind of just – we can transition that. over to, to there. Uh, John Harbaugh doesn't – I don't know if he has the, the hold, hold of the locker room as he used to. And that was always the reason why Baltimore was able to be as good as they were competing with the Patriots back when Brady was there. It's because John Harbaugh had that team playing a certain way. And you got Marcus Peters. Same same thing that I'm going to say last week when Quentin Williams was in the face of the Jets defensive line coach. When you got guys yelling at coaches, and, and Rev's probably going to be chuckling when he hears me say this, but you guys got when you have guys yelling at coaches like that, it doesn't mean that things are going well. So I don't know what the problem is with the Ravens. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it themselves. I think that them, the Bengals, and I'm not going to say the Steelers, but the Browns, if they can keep themselves around 500, like everybody's been saying, those are the three teams that are likely to make the playoffs out of this division. It could be none of, it could be one of the three. It could be all of the three because none, nobody's played consistently. The Bengals look God awful for weeks one and two. And then the last two weeks have just looked okay there. I mean, they're winning games, but they're not the team that they were. They're not the defending AFC champions, in my my opinion. To, to harp on what you said, Jimmy, it wasn't necessarily Harbaugh that kept those teams together. It was the more the the, the, the Hall of Famers that they yeah. had on the team. The Ed Reed, Ray Lewis of those teams. They haven't had those Hall of Famers for a while. They've been I pretty damn good. And where is the success come? Nowhere. They 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 have had zero. They they have MVP and the number one seed in the AFC three years and ago. What happened in those years when they, when he was in the MVP? They lost the first second round of the playoffs. Like when you have as good of an quarterback and Jackson you have, and you have this piss poor of a defense, it, 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 it is. It is, is Jackson that good of a quarterback? He threw okay. an interception. Oh, okay, no, that have, was his fault. He he. Look, look, I don't care about the pass. Hard on. He has eleven touchdowns this season alone, Jimmy. Him himself, Lamar Jackson alone. Four weeks, eleven touchdowns. No one that is more than half of the league has in general. So I know you hate Lamar Jackson because he's a Raven. But, he but, said but it. I'm, I'm just saying that he, he cost it. he cost the game. He cost the team no, 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 the game no, no, today. Hardball kicking that. No bullshit. You throw that ball out of bounds. Throw that ball out of bounds. Live to fight it's another day. Down. Yeah, it's, it's fourth down. down. You don't give them the ball. You don't give him the chance to catch that ball. The, the, the ball. If you throw the ball out of bounds, the ball still goes to the other team. But then they don't have the interception, and they don't start from the twenty. Nico, they start from their three. Either way, you should have kicked the field goal. I I don't care. Look, look, you you don't first of all you don't throw the ball. You don't concede the ball. That is not in, in, in anybody's thoughts at all. You don't concede the football. <laughs> you don't throw the ball out of bounds on fourth down just for the hell of it. You throw up a ball and see if your guys can make a play. That's the first thing. So that is not his fault. Secondly, Harbaugh had no faith in his defense at all. The game is tied. Tied with four minutes left, and you go for it on fourth and one on the goal line. That's that's as little faith in your defense as possible. If you because look, you you don't make the decision. If you make the decision, kick the field goal. Look, you have the best kicker in football. It's not even a question. He that's a chip shot for him. He makes that. You're up by three points. Okay. Well, now Josh Allen they have to go for the end zone. You have to have a little bit of faith in your defense. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, their defense, their offense scored no points in the second half, though. So, like, to that point, I mean, that they did score. They got nothing done in the second half. But their defense only gave up three points in the fourth quarter. It's not like they were just getting – and they only gave up 13 – or I think 10 total in the second half. 
I think you're. I've always said that's funny. You said that they got when he, our first pot. I was like, man, this guy is tough on Jackson. He's really tough. So you said the hate that maybe that's where it's, I. I always think Jackson's pretty good. But to your point today, cool. he, and to hit, he can't finish the game. And like to that, that's what happened, right? He couldn't finish it. <laughs> that's a whole no, can we hold on? The, we outside of football, Lamar Jackson sent a tweet outside of football that I absolutely hate and makes me like. Not want him to be my call. After the games that we Gucci at Buffalo Bills, good game, 100. That shit would piss me off if I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. I don't want to see that from my CEO. Like, you just took money out of my, like, pocket. You just took a win out of our playoffs, like, to get there. What are you doing? Like, is Lamar Jackson a special player? Yeah, there's no one like Lamar Jackson in the NFL. He is absolutely a great player. But there's something about he does make unclutch plays in clutch situations. He threw that pick six to the Buffalo Bills which was in the playoffs like a year ago or two years ago where you're like, what are you doing? He threw this pick. Like, what are you doing? So I see the faults in Lamar Jackson, as special as he is, is like running the ball and throwing the ball. He can do both. He's dynamic. He leaves a lot to be a desi- desired as your quarterback in other aspects, in my opinion. But how about let's shift the attention away from what Baltimore did wrong to what what I mean what Buffalo did right in this situation and what Josh Allen proved here just rallying this team back from that twenty to three deficit. Yeah. Yeah. I, and was that the early well um just so I can get my the game straight. I know Diggs dropped a touchdown pat. Was that first half or second half? Remember that he like slipped right through his hands. I'm trying to remember where that was in the game. Because I feel like that also kind of – I'm just trying to – do you guys remember that play? I think that was the first half. Yeah, okay. I remember. I they, were, they were struggling to move the ball a lot in the first half. They were, they, they, they were trying to box them in a lot more. And Ravens were just making plays defensively. Um, and, and, then, and then it kind of just opened up from there. They were playing in the worst weather of all time. Yeah, too. too. Some of the worst weather. Are the Bills dominant to you guys? We said that after week one and two, and I said this on our podcast today, there's really no dominant team, I feel like, in the NFL. Like, there was, like, the last couple of years where maybe you had, like, the Bucks and Chiefs or whatever. I, you know, the Bills were that team, but I, I don't – after a few more weeks, I'm like, they're really good. I just don't – I don't see dominant or anything like that. Yeah, well, when you have a gunslinger that's willing to go out there and trust his arm like Josh Allen, there's going to be some opportunities here and there. There's going to be some turnovers. They turned the ball over a couple times in that first half. He threw two picks even in the first half of that Los Angeles Rams game. So when you got a guy that's so willing to trust his guns, spread the ball all over the field, someone who basically – like basically the offensive coordinator just walks up to him before the game and says, Josh Allen, you have the keys. Do whatever you want. Even if you got to scramble from left to right, like whatever you got to do, just do it. We're giving you the full freedom. Sometimes there's going to be opportunities for turnovers, and that's, you know, things like that is really going to flip the game on his head. Darren, I sent you the text message. Go ahead. I I was just going to say that one thing that's holding the Bills back from the dominant team, and it's something that Nico and I have talked about, it's the running game. And they should probably be in the market near the trade deadline for something different in the running back room. Because right now they have everybody that's there has had plenty of time to prove themselves and they still haven't taken that next step and they still haven't figured out a way to not have Josh Allen run for 70 yards a game. In order for them to win. And if you look at the last two weeks, what did the Dolphins and, and, and the Ravens did for a half basically do? They, they forced them to run the ball. 
Like they, they said, Singletary and Zach Moss beat us. Please, Josh Allen, don't throw a long ball on us. We're gonna we're gonna back we're gonna pack the back, and we're gonna make you dunk and dip your running backs, and that's how you're gonna beat us. And it worked for a game and a half, and then it just went away. I I, I mean, look, like there's zero zero threat in the running zero. I, yeah. You cannot tell me that Devin Singletary will get a handoff and you can you can trust <laughs> four yards out of him every single play. Because right now, I can't. He's capable of it. I've seen it in years past. But right now, this year, he cannot. If you're looking, if you're the Buffalo Bills, and if the rumors are true that Saquon is on is possibly in the market, you jump on that, you trade as many first-round picks as you can, and you'll get that. If that's a possibility. I'm not saying it's that's going to happen, but if that is even in question, you you, you throw what you can in. Because like I said, your championship windows are so small. When you go play the Chiefs in the playoffs, when you play teams like the Bengals, the Ravens in the playoffs, where, where, where these teams are just going to run the ball down your throat, you're going to have to figure it out on, on your end too. Because at some point, look, Josh Allen can throw for 500 yards. But your time of possession is going to be what twenty minutes out of a out of a sixty minute game, like, like it, it's not going to be in your favor. And at some point, other teams are just going to run the ball and keep Josh off the field, and that's just going to hurt you in the long run. Didn't Josh Allen have a little bit of Lamar Jackson erraticism in him? Like I texted Darren before week one. I was like, I just don't trust Josh Allen in like a big playoff game, and he he proved me wrong week one. He was unreal, but these last couple of weeks, I just. I don't know if he has that like steady like hand that you want at the quarterback position. Once again, he's a dynamic player, and if you can't run the ball, you it makes it so much harder in the playoffs to be a quarterback. Like you, and is Saquon Barkley available? Is that a real rumor? That would blow my mind. I I, I, I thought I heard that rumor around, but like I said, no, I've heard it too. Like I've seen it on Twitter, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, but if it is. Well, they've been looking to they've been looking to replace Devin Singletary since 2019, drafting Zach Moss, drafting James Cook last year, and nothing has worked out. It's like they've been trying to do whatever they can to get rid of Devin Singletary to find his replacement, and they haven't found that. So that's an issue when you have Josh Allen dropping back over 50 times during their loss to Miami and not being able to have that balance to be able to lean on something else so you don't have to rely on Josh Allen playing hero ball every week. There is there is definitely a, a question as to whether or not Josh Allen can get it done in the big situations. Right now in the big situations, uh, pe- I've heard people say he button mashes where he just thinks that he has to do something and you hit all the buttons on the Madden controller and he pitches it. 13 yards downfield or backward and something it's it's strange he's gonna have to get over that but this is the most poised this is the most dialed in in the passing game that I've seen Josh Allen in his NFL career so I will say that it seems impressive but yeah he is gonna have to prove it in a big situation in the playoffs he's not gonna be you can't let Patrick Mahomes come back and tie the game with 13 seconds left you have to be the quarterback that's gonna manage the game and drive your team down there in a fashion to where it doesn't matter if you score you're going to score with time running out. That's all. If Josh Allen was a, a true overall starting better playoff quarterback than Patrick Mahomes was last season, he would have been able to do that. And we would have been talking about the Bills playing the Bengals and probably beating the Bengals in the AFC championship instead of the Chiefs. So there is a little bit uh, a question of can he manage the game in the correct way? Because quarterbacks do have to be somewhat of a game manager. Manager. I know that that's like the, the nasty term that gets thrown around now and then. 
Same way the head coaches have to be game managers. You have to know when to call timeouts. You have to know how to manage the clock, and, and some guys do, some guys don't. Josh Allen hasn't really shown that ability right now. That's all I, I've seen out of his career so far. But it is amazing to watch him play, and it's amazing to see a 240-pound quarterback. I, if you were an offense, you said you played offensive line. All right. Yeah. I'm just thinking, if I had a quarterback that was a beast like that, it was running over middle linebackers, I mean, I'd want to block my ass off for that guy. I'm just saying, like, it would honestly emasculate me slightly. You know, it's like being out somewhere with a girl and, and, like, she takes care of herself before you can step in. You're like, but I was, I guess, I was going to block him, but you just stiff-armed his ass into next. Like, you were, you were so way more violent with your form than the way I was going to be with my blocking. So, you got it. Go ahead. I'll go meet you on the bench. That's funny. There you go. There you go. Um, the Cowboys behind Cooper Rush, and and that way we can bring back the comment. I don't. I hope he's still watching. Uh, Logan wanted us to talk a little bit about the Cowboys. He's more talking about Mari Cooper. I want to talk about Cooper Rush because Cooper yeah. Rush still has yet to lose as the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys in his relief effort. And today, yes, I know it's the Washington Commanders. However. This division is not going to be one where teams, unless you're talking about the Eagles right now, you have to keep pace with the Eagles, and they are right, and, and that's what the Cowboys are doing. Three and one, they get another division win here, 25-10 over Washington. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it, but I've seen people on Twitter say it. Is there a quarterback controversy brewing in Dallas? Is Jerry gonna have a decision to make when Dak gets healthy again? Well, rumor has it Dak is eyeing a return next week so at this point i don't think they i don't think they're gonna do it i mean it's only a couple of games and you look at the situation it was a bit of a manager situation than being able to beat cincinnati and as over these last couple of weeks he's made better throws but ultimately there's too much money being attached to dak prescott there's too much of a track record of him even getting the team to the playoff a couple of times. Yeah, we can make arguments about what happened during those playoff runs, but he's gotten them there. So ultimately, the moment that Dak Prescott gets healthy again, for the sake of my fantasy team too, but ultimately he's going to go back in there immediately. Anybody else have have thoughts on that? I'm, is it just a stupid question to ask, or, or is I, there I some about it. We, During the preseason, I, I was at the Broncos-Cowboys game. I was like, Cooper Rush doesn't look terrible. Quarterback controversy, question mark? Not, no, there isn't one. Look, unless, unless Dak Prescott absolutely stinks it up, Cooper Rush is not, and I mean not, going to beat the Eagles. I, Dak Prescott gives you the best chance to, to to beat some of these teams. I'm sorry, I don't look. I don't care what Cooper Rush has done. He's four and zero. It's it's fun to joke around because it's the Cowboys, absolutely. But he is not going to beat the Packers or the Buccaneers or some of those NFC teams with with, with Cooper Rush. It's not going to happen. If Dak Prescott gives you the best chance, as little of a chance as you already have with with, with, with how stagnant that her offense has been. I mean, look, you talk about. The Cowboys have a heck of a defense. I don't care what you say about Trayvon Diggs. The guy gets interceptions. And Michael Parsons looks like the best defensive player in football right now. So you have that side of the football taken care of. When you talk about the offense, I still don't see this team winning team winning against these games. Carson Wentz is 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 walking and going to give you footballs just to go pick off. I, I, the, the 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 Giants. Do I really trust them at this point? The Eagles are are dogs. We already know that. We we'll get to that game here in a minute. 
But I, like I said, Dak Prescott gives you the best chance. If you're a, if you're a Cowboys fan, you do look, you entertain it a little bit. If he starts stanking it up, all that means is that Jerry in the offseason is going to try to trade Dak and go get a bigger name um, out at the quarterback position. That's all it means. What is it? Everybody always loves the backup, the fan, right? The backup is always like, it's always the best. It's almost like the best job in sports. Sometimes you're always the best. He's liked a little bit more than the starter at times. We're going to get it. If Prescott does not come back for the next, let's just say next two weeks, we'll get it. We'll get the, we'll get to know for sure here because he plays at Eagles. And I believe he plays maybe at Rams. So I think those, those are back-to-back games where he would get a very big test. So that's probably part of the reason Prescott's like, yeah, I'm going to be back. So um, I don't think there's a controversy at all. The, the paychecks say it all. I just don't. Why is he trying to pull the same stuff that made Russell Wilson's season tank last year? Because Russell Wilson had this, a similar injury, tried to come back too soon. Tyler, do you see that same similarity? Why Why is he – is he feeling the pressure a little bit? Because he shouldn't – it's a six-week injury. You can't come back in just three weeks. I think I, I think being a Cowboys quarterback just has more pressure. Like he's making 126 million no matter what. He's getting his starting job back whenever he's healthy. His first chance back is going to be his best chance to keep the job. Cooper Rush has played well. That might put a little more pressure on him, but there's no way he's losing his job to anything Cooper Rush does until Dak steps back on the field. And if he fails, maybe Cooper gets the job back. But as far as is when Dak says he's ready to go, he's going to get that job back. If anything, so I think I think he is trying. He is like a little work. I think he sees Cooper winning these games and being like, "I can do that." And it's a little bit of a little mind fuck for these guys, like to try and win these games. I think Cooper Rush has actually made his head coach a better. Has made his head coach better. He's playing. No, more. but nobody's worried about Mike McCarthy. Well, the guy I'm saying, I think when I think when he's like. He's dumbing down and stuff. He's not, I don't see any stupid reverses or anything crappy like that. Like he's like he's like letting his defense actually play games and not do anything totally dumb right now to lose any games against like the commanders. There's nothing stupid. You know, that's the thing with Prescott. I feel like they always try these like way too many things with him, and I'm always like, what are we doing? He's like, I don't know. I, that's always my thing. Draw with he's seconds he's not a good coach. I just feel like it's almost dumbing him down to where it's like we just need to let our defense win. Let's play, run the ball, kick the ball, punt, that type of stuff. Yeah, but at the very least, I do have to say this. Mike McCarthy, though he's not the greatest coach himself, has done a good job putting good coordinators around him. That's with Quinn and Kellen Moore on the other end, just being one of the better younger coaches in the league. And as for Cooper Rush, I'm, I'm going to say this about him. He's definitely earned himself a good contract to go 4-13 and with either the Colts <laughs> or the Panthers next year. I agree. He, yeah, he probably wants Dak to come back too because this is the most amount of money that he's going to get. I I highly doubt he's going to go. He's three and zero right now. I highly doubt he's going to go five and zero over the next two weeks. Right now is the highest paycheck that he'll get. For this is season. this is Cooper Rush's Matt Flynn uh, game. That's yep. that, it's going to get you a job somewhere next year, and you're probably going to lose your job to the rookie quarterback. It's the Jimmy Garoppolo game. Oops, I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> That was, that's unfair of me, wasn't it? Oh, a little too soon, Timmy. A little too soon. <laughs> uh, uh, Rev, let's uh, let's get back to talking about your Steelers, and then uh, we'll we'll finish up with the early slate games before we get into Thursday night football and all the controversy that surrounded that. So, Steelers fall to the Jets. The Jets are 500 again for the first time since 2015. If they win next week and get over 500 it's the first time that they've been over 500 since 2018 so 
Zach Wilson gets the the win back in his first uh, uh, first game since getting injured. And Kenny Pickett gets the start. Rev, you mentioned his incompletions. All incompletions were interceptions. Uh, on our show last Friday, you said that you were ready to see Pickett. Apparently, so was Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin was just blowing smoke when he was talking to the media, saying that there is no chance, no way at all, that Pickett was going to get to to go in the game over Trubisky. It wasn't didn't look good. They still had every chance to win that game. Friermuth played well. Is Kenny Pickett going to give this team a chance to actually win some games moving forward, or are you just looking to see how well can he play in, in a whole bunch of losses? Ultimately, I would like to think that as they build a full week of a game plan around Kenny Pickett, perhaps things will get a little better. But this next stretch is going to be a rough stretch for Pittsburgh because we're playing the Dolphins, we're playing the Buccaneers, we're playing the Bills. So I don't know exactly how many of those games we're going to win, but I just want to see Pickett just orchestrate a cleaner offense because today we kind of saw both sides of the spectrum. With Trubisky, the offense looked anemic. The offense couldn't move anything at all. Like, I think they scored only three or they scored six points in the first half. They couldn't move anything in the first half, but there weren't a whole lot of huge errors or huge turnovers. But as Pickett comes in, you get the exact opposite of the spectrum. He's taking risks. He's throwing the ball downfield. We're moving the ball. We're scoring touchdowns. However, we're making huge mistakes, and ultimately that last interception where he sailed the ball a little high and Fryermuth wasn't able to come up with it, that set New York up for that game-winning drive. So you see risk-averse football, but not a whole lot of mistakes from Trubisky, whereas this, whereas from Pickett, you saw him taking risks and being able to move the football, but ultimately making a few costly mistakes. And, and Rev, you obviously will know this answer much more than I do, and I haven't been able to watch all these Steelers games as much as some of the other teams, but why is Najee Harris just, just not being abused? I, I mean, I, I, the, the number one thing with, with a young, inexperienced quarterback that makes his life easier is a hell of a running back. And Najee Harris, when he touches the ball, is electrifying. Why are they not? Why, why are they not figuring things out for him or trying to give him space? I get the Deontay Johnsons, Claypools, and Pickens of the world and the Moose of the world, but I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, the most the most consistent offensive weapon you have right now should be Najee Harris. No. Yeah, definitely it's a bit of a disappointment. Earlier on, he was dealing with that list for that foot injury that he was dealing with. So then you look, you go to last week against Cleveland. We kind of had to abandon a running game after a while because Cleveland was holding the ball, scoring touchdowns in the second half, and we didn't have the ball for long enough. And we it kind of rushed our it kind of rushed our play process. So we got away from the running game. You look at the New England game, I felt like there's situations where he could hit the ball inside, but it's constantly bouncing out. And it's just, we just haven't been able to fully get our running game in sync. We saw flashes of it look good, and it's kind of just been a flashy thing where sometimes the offensive line doesn't do a good job blocking. Sometimes Najee doesn't hit the hole, where it's. An issue that I don't think gets brought up too much because you often hear Steelers' old line isn't good. Steelers' old line isn't good. But sometimes it's up to Najee just to hit the hole. So it's just it, – it sometimes it's one thing, sometimes it's the other. But regardless, the running game just hasn't been consistently there. Uh, Darren Tyler, let's talk about what the Jets did. And, and they are now, like I said, 500 – do, can they make this a, a streak out of it? I know Salah's in his second season. You see the tweet that I have up there. Yes, that I am related to uh, 
Uh, that is my brother. Uh, that is an actual take that he has. He does think that the Jets are now going to be able to steal a wild card spot. Uh, Zach Wilson doesn't look good. Uh, no, we're not. No, he is not. I can he, tell he you that. All for, gas right now. He's, no he's playing. He's just. He's high on the fact that the Jets got to win, and he does. He's not used to that. This is like a, a once in every blue moon situation for him. Two and uh, two. He's, he's playing college football down in, in Southern Colorado right now. So hopefully, uh, yeah, no, he he thinks that this is an actual thing that's going to happen. Uh, Zach Wilson did not look good. Did. Do you see anything where this Jets team can take momentum from this win, or is this just going to be a? It's a it's a weird it's a, it's a monopoly like a, you know never happens. Don't pass go. Do not do not collect a hundred two hundred dollars. Seems like a Mitchell Trubisky loss to me. I mean, nothing from the Jets you want to see really showed up. You didn't see the Eliza Moore, Garrett Wilson, or I mean, Brees Hall got seventeen carries but wasn't productive in those seventeen carries. Zach Wilson was all right to bad. So, like, from the jet, I mean, the defense was there, but you're playing Mitchell Trubisky. So, how much, how much can you really, like, be like, this is – we're going to steal. I just don't buy it. I get it. If you're a Jets fan, you could, like, see some sort of glimpses. But I, you're the guys you want to show up haven't shown up, and you beat Mitchell Trubisky. Not only did they just beat Mitchell Trubisky, their other win was against Jacoby Brissett. I, I mean, like, like, let's I, look. It's fun to be two and two. Cool. The Jets have cool uniforms. Oh boy, here we go again, right? No, it's it's week four. I we can pump the brakes on that. Aaron, what do you think? I'm I'm with him on it. That kind of took everything out of my mouth. I mean, for your brother's sake, I'm trying to give him a little hope. I mean, I'm trying to think in my mind here. You know, he can go, <laughs> trust me, he can come up with plenty of hope on his own. Nico, they, gotta, did, they have a yeah, good Did basketball. you hear? Our, <laughs> Did you hear the bet that Nico and he he Nico had last season for no. the Broncos Jets game? No, he bet his chest hair. He put his chest hair on the line for this bet that the Jets would beat the Broncos because they had a really good preseason. Yeah, and he they said did, that they on our podcast. They passed the fifty of that of that game. Oh, the ball did not get moved past the fifty. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I don't see anything. I mean. They, I mean, they played Tyler. They played. You guys said it. They played the Browns, and they got lucky to win that game. And they won this game at the very end. They squeaked it out. So, all right. I'll, I'm just, yeah. I'll hope for his sake, we'll get. We'll, they're doing great. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> you're doing. A lot. You're just the cutest little thing, aren't you? You're just so good. Yeah. Hey, as a Niner fan, I'll always root for Mo Salah. He deserves better. Uh, that does. He, he's the awesome. Everyone else, I could, I could do. You know, do without. Yeah. Let's go ahead. We're transitioning now. We're everybody's talked about this, so we're we're also going to throw in our two cents. This was actually one of the tweets that, or one of the questions that I posed to everyone last week. We all saw the hit between the uh, Bills and, and the Dolphins, where Tua's head does slam against the ground. He gets back up, almost stumbles, he trips in, and almost falls back, getting into the huddle. Uh, <clears throat> all of the shenanigans goes on. They do the investigation. The investigation is still going on. Uh, there, there's been even more now. And then obviously Thursday night, uh, second concussion within seven days. Second, like, like likely a second concussion within seven days. Hands go stiff, completely out. Terrible, terrible injury. Never want to see anything like that happen. Uh, but it does now raise the question. It does bring call into question the integrity of the NFL on its concussion protocols, the integrity of the Dolphins. And, and just how they run their organization. <clears throat> There's a lot of different conversations to have 
there's a lot of, of different opinions that were out there. Everybody seemed to have a medical degree on Thursday night. Uh, that's what I, I kind of gathered from this. But all in all, it comes down to the fact that Tua should not have been in the game Thursday night. He was very easily could have had a much more catastrophic injury than it already probably is. And um, there has to be somebody held accountable. And, and more than likely, nothing is going to happen out of this. That's the unfortunate truth. So let's gauge the, the panel, the opinions. Where do we stand with the whole Tua situation and, and how the Dolphins handled this entire you know week and a half stretch here? Well, I guess they found, I found out they fired their doc, the doctor that evaluated him today. Or the yeah, that'll solve everything. Today, yeah, today. <laughs> yeah, so he was, yeah, just, you know, obviously to save face, that's probably more what that was, that obviously at that point there. We talked about it last week. I mean, you don't have to be a doctor. The man last week was wobbly coming off the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is a sign. Like, I don't even have to be a medical doctor. That, that that doesn't take a degree. Oh, that's not normal. He shouldn't have came back in the game. And that makes this injury even worse on top of it. Because I feel like this injury, this even if that didn't happen last week, right, he'd still be knocked out of the game this week with that one. It just brings, to me, more light to last week's thing where it was so stupid. This, to me, was just real football where he got thrown down by the defense. He hit his head. But it was the week before where he's wobbling off. How do you put him back in the game? Uh, that to me, that's where I stand. It still makes no sense to me. I'd be surprised if it's more than just a doctor that gets fired here. Yeah, and what I don't like about that one specific doctor being fired is that it feels like the blame game just being yeah. passed down. It's like the NFLPA goes after the NFL. The yeah. NFL goes after the Miami Dolphins. The, Ma- the Miami Dolphins goes after their medical staff. The medical staff uses this person as a scapegoat and fires them. In general, what needs to be had is a conversation just when it comes to just how, just when it comes to looking at the NFL concussion protocol. Because this, this is a problem with the NFL as a whole when it comes to evaluating people with concussions. This isn't just something that will be solved by, by firing one doctor or one member of the medical staff. You have to look at the NFL's concussion protocol as a whole and just self-reflect from there rather than just firing one person. Then who's, who is the person that should be held accountable? Who's the person that should hold the blame? I have the tweet on here. Thing, there's some opinions out there that Steven Ross should lose his team, depending on what the NFLPA investigation finds out. Tyler, Nico, um, what are what are your thoughts on how this whole thing was handled and what should the punishment be? Who should be held ultimately most responsible? I think blaming the owner is so – like it's so easy to do that now for anything that goes wrong. Like because of a – like the owner is supposed to come in and say you're not playing. Like that's not the owner's job. He hired these guys. Like, yeah, maybe he hired some guys who are. It's. I just. I'm not blaming the owner. I think. Like, I. It doesn't even bother me. Like, I'm here to be entertained. Like, to watch a sport. Like, it's. It. What happened? Yeah, it's sad. It shouldn't happen. People should step in. But I'm not here to like be like, oh, he shouldn't have played. If he wanted to play, he gets to play. Like, I mean, he shouldn't have played. But I'm not. I just don't think it's that big of a like. As a fan, to like place judgment on other people, it's just a weird place to come from. There's, there's, there's a couple. I have some interesting opinions on this because I think there's a couple ways you can look at this. I think, look, this is brought to the forefront. This is all happening because this is the quarterback. Because this was a Thursday night football game, 
look, you're talking about Amazon Prime that has football on it for the first time streaming for the first time ever. Do you really think that Amazon Prime with Kirk Herbstreit, Al Michaels, want to call Teddy Bridgewater versus Joe Burrow? Absolutely not. I think maybe there's – look, we've heard shady stuff from across all different leagues happen because of stuff like this, just to push things under the rug because, you know what, people are going to watch Tua versus Joe Burrow like, like, like they did again. Versus, versus each other in college. I, I don't know, know if that there's truth to that, but that's one way we're looking at. The next thing I have is, like, look about this. Jimmy, you and I talk about hockey a lot. We, we, we love our abs and everything. Do you know how much time that Sidney Crosby missed at the beginning of his career con- concussion? He missed two to three years. Concussion, two to three years. Bo Byram, who's an avalanche, who we, we cover all year, missed two to three months at the beginning of the year. We, if, 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 if for whatever reason there's a slight hint that a guy has something, he should not be in the game, and then it should be quote calls for the next game. Like, like for some, and because this is a quarterback, everything's being brought to light. What if this was a middle linebacker? What if this was a corner receiver? Whatever. Like, it is only being brought to this point because of this. And I hate that it's like that. I absolutely hate that it's like that. I'm very, very thankful that Tua's feeling better than that, that he was able to get back on the plane, which I don't think was the right decision. But he got back on the plane, and he was able to go home with his family and be there with his family. That was the most important thing of the whole situation. And I'm very, very thankful that he is, but man, if you're, if you're in a situation like, I would like to think that they did the right things. I would like to think, like, like, like out of judgment, I would like to think they did, and that that, that the situation caused what it did. Because look, every single player in the National Football League, NBA, NHL, MLB, all take these concussion tests, right? Each one of them do as shitty as possible. They all do. Every single person. Does. No, no, no. I know. It's crazy. Know, about, right? They all do it as shitty as possible so that when that happens, they go in the game. Right? It's it, 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 Look, that, that goes back to the players then also. It, it is also it – is, it is 100% all the owners, 100% all the coaches, but it was also a, I should know my health as well. Right, there should also be that. You gotta take those tests correctly. You have to do the right things because when something does happen, when your bell does get wrong or whatever happens, you don't have a situation where, well, maybe I can play and I'll be good. Because, like I said, look, I get that the NFL is, is as nailed as it gets, and when you lose, and when you're not playing one week, you can get replaced right away. But when you're the quarterback for a team that was undefeated at that point, you have to take more judgment about yourself and then also your future. Because in the long run, this is Tua's third year in the league. He probably, Look, NFL quarterbacks don't last for long. But the man was a top five pick and has a hell of a career in front of him if he's able to get that far. You have to take things into account for yourself as well. And, and I'm not putting the blame on Tua here at all. I'm not. But at the same point, you have to have judgment for yourself as well as, as, as the people around you. Because like I said, I get that you're going, you want to play. Everybody wants to play. Everybody takes those concussion tests for a reason. And everyone does poorly on them for a reason. Because when, when it happens, you want to be on the field. And you know that your job can be done. Did but, any of you guys as football players ever have to deal with this? I, I, t- I, we, I took those tests. I, I, I did absolutely yep. take those tests. And, 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 and look, I – my my, my train the trainer sat there with me and was like, You fail this poorly, I'm gonna do this test to you ten different times. That's so would you if, what if what if the guy who the college dean or whatever was blamed for your concussion because you want to go back in the game? Like that's where I don't like it would never the, go back that far. But but at, at But at, the at, owner of the NFL team I'm saying is like the college dean, like the, the, the athletic being, director. He's being called into question because he's already 
been shown the to Brian be, Flores. Yeah, he has no integrity anyways. He's definitely liable to fudge some sort of medical documents, which is an actual felony. That that would be an actual crime. So I don't necessarily think it goes back to blaming him for the concussion. I think you're blaming him because he did circumvent legal yeah. he circumvented legal statutes that were put into place. Yeah, this team, I mean, talk about a complete 360, right? We going into that Thursday night game, everyone was like, Man, the Dolphins could be real. It was a hell of a game up until he got knocked out. Like everyone looked Mike McDaniel looks like the next maybe he was the real deal and he was the reason why San Francisco was what they were last year. I'm not saying that. I know sorry, Tyler, but that's some people are saying that. And, and, and when you look at this, this team, they have weapons offensively. You bring in Tyree Kill, and you have Jalen Waddle, and you have the Gasicki's monsters of the world offensively, and you have this guy in Tua that could be so, so good. Like I said, it's it's an ownership of, of the people around him and the, and the players themselves. Like I said, there's 51 other players on that team as well that let him play. Let's not forget that either. They all saw him. Walk off, stumble him. They're not blind. They all saw him stumble off the field. They all saw him during the week of practice. Do not think someone will be like, yo, Tua, I think this week, look, I don't think it's right four days rest. First of all, that's another conversation for a different day, a Thursday night football after after a Sunday game. But uh, c- come on, man. Like, like there's, there's, there's a lot of other areas where we can figure out where the blame should go around. And it's, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's the Dolphins in a hole. It's a yeah. dolphin in a hole because you never should see this happen. Football is a violent sport. Violent things happen, and that's just the way it will always be. And that these things happen, unfortunately. It's just it's just because of the speed of the game and the toughness it is. But there's a way that you can that you can either protect the players or protect yourself. And the Dolphins just fail to do that in all aspects. Yeah. So I'm just gonna add just two more things here. Just for one, this is a chance to, for chance for rather than just look at one and point fingers. There's something that the Dolphins have to assess. And like what you said, Nico, not only just a medical staff and allowing Tua to play, but also the teammates just not for looking out for Tua, knowing that he just got rattled and knocked out four days ago and that he's entering another football game. So the Miami, just the Dolphins as a whole need to be held liable. The NFL needs to be held liable when it comes to perhaps the concussion protocol system needs to be overhauled. Maybe that needs to be looked into. And then just for a second thing, how much were you guys really buying into the whole him having a back injury? Did you guys oh, buy man. it? No. no one bought it. No, 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 no. I used my medical license, and, and I could have no, no. That but back to but back to like his teammates to be held liable. Shouldn't his loved ones like be held or himself be held liable? Like they saw the same shit, and this guy was literally walking around like a zombie for like two minutes, and he got put back in the same game, and then. He got he agreed to play in the next game. Like obviously someone should have stepped in on the medical staff, but does he have no love like does no one love him enough to be like you're not playing? Like I'm sure my mom or dad like not I don't know. I don't somebody somebody's at fault in the Dolphins organization. He get, probably got put in his head that if you don't go back into the, this game against Buffalo and if you don't play on Thursday night, you just lose your starting position. Like we cannot it, it hasn't been all sunshine and roses since he's been in Miami. Like, yeah, but he's I'm self-aware sure. enough after four games to know he's better than whoever. Uh, yeah, yeah, but then they're also – I mean, 
I don't know. Nico, your mic's away from your mouth. Nobody can hear you. Nico, you're, we couldn't hear you. Tua, I, I watched Teddy Bridgewater for 16 games last year. And Tua was a far better quarterback than, than Teddy Bridgewater on his, on his best day, okay? I, I don't need to I don't need to Was I thinking that, that Teddy Bridgewater okay? was going to throw the interception at the end of the game? No, yes, probably counting on it. I was counting on it. Maybe Teddy Tuber. Thompson might be the starting quarterback for this team after what he did in the preseason. So, no, I, I look, look, he is the future. He is the team. Like he, he is the guy you you draft the top five. This like look this this ain't a situation where the guy is is basically Sam Darnold of New York who don't who they don't care about when, when he was when they drafted him for the Jets. They care about you. They invested putting weapons around you. They put an offensive coach in position for you. You have no worries to lose your job today, Bridgewater. I don't. It's it's a Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott scenario all over again. I'm sorry, there is no shot that Terry Bridgewater that is the guy they want to run this offense with this team. Somebody should have told two of that instead of whoever they had in the locker room being like, "Listen, man, if you don't go out, you ever heard of Wally Pip to a to a, You don't want to be the Wally Pip of the NFL." You do not want to have that happen to you. I'm sure that's – and the poor guy had a concussion. His brain was scrambled. He probably didn't know what he was agreeing to. There's some snakes. We know that they're snake oil salesmen in the NFL. That's how all these guys got their billions and billions of dollars and not just get to run around causing it mayhem every week in everybody's life. Uh, the Bengals offensive line, by the way, only gave up one sack. So they're, they're getting that's getting more solidified. There you go. No, no, well, Listen, I'll see? take – I'll take the wins where I can get them. That was a huge victory for us. That was uh, giant. I, you guys pretty much talked on the whole two. I think I just, my my this real last thing on it would be players and them having to decide on their own safety. I just know as an athlete when I played sports, I didn't want to come out of a game. I think that's a lot to ask of a player there, especially in a position like the quarterback where I don't know. Like some people might lose them in the locker. I'm not saying that. Like I don't know. That's and like to ask their teammates, some of their teammates might look at him and say, "Man, what a wuss." I'm just, I don't know. That's, I'm not saying it's the same thing with the head injury. I just, I don't think it's as easy as for the player just to say. And I, I joked about it today with Tyler. You know, for NBA fans, it's not as easy to go Kawhi Leonard on people as it is. <laughs> it's not as easy as to say I'm out of the game. And so that's my only thing with a player doing that. It's like, I might want to stay in the game. When, when, it, when it comes to a situation, if you're like a corner, if you're a linebacker, I, I get it for that matter. When you're the, when you're the guy on a team, yeah. I think that's, that's a different conversation for a different day. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, like I said, you don't see Tom Brady doing stuff to, to, to ruin his career at, at certain points in his life. I mean, I mean, like, like, like I said, there's no way of controlling people failing those concussion tests. There's zero way. People will do that till the end of the till the end of the time. And that's, that will never change. But the way you can the way you can help things is by putting in the correct protocols and, and, and setting guys up where if you if anyone says anything, you will hold that guy out and do things like like I said, the NHL does some terrible things. But my God, they they do concussions at least the right way. They look out for their players the, the best way they can. And I think the NFL right now is not doing that because all yeah. they care about right now is watch making sure that Thursday night primetime football game on Amazon TV without Michaels Kirk Kirby has two top five pick quarterbacks and two guys who won national championships in college. I think, honestly, it goes to Mike McDaniel because as a coach, you got to know when to save the player from themselves. And I think Mike McDaniel was too stoned on the sidelines to realize, oh, Tua's brain might be a little bit scrambled here. I should probably save him from himself. 
So that's where it where's his ball sack on the sideline to go, hey Tua, you can't play. You're our you're our starter for the rest of the season. We need you to be healthy. You're not playing tonight. It's a meaningless game at the end of September against Cincinnati, who's one and two. There shouldn't have been a reason for him to have to go out there and risk further injury. Seasons are not won in week and four, week five, week three. Seasons are lost in those in these first couple of weeks. You do not win Super Bowls this, this first five weeks, but you can sure as hell can lose them. So when do you all see Tua coming back? How long? Like where they still not have a chance to win the division? Not three weeks, season. five weeks, no, the whole year? Shit. Yeah. 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 If he gets another concussion, I think that he might die. His body has a, a terrible reaction to that second it's, concussion. Oh, if Steve Young normal. survived and Troy Aikman survived, these guys can survive. Yeah, but they, I'm they, with you. They, they should another, maybe should sit out the whole year. Troy There's no way he's sitting out the whole year. It's but just the NFL, the way the NFL is playing. Then we're going to go bury Tua. That's what's going to happen. It, that's the crazy thing <laughs> that nobody understands. No, not, not like figuratively. Like the NFL will have to hold a memorial service for this 25-year-old kid who died from brain trauma. I mean, yeah, Steve Young was taking these say- – sorry, go ahead, Rev. I'm saying like it's one thing to recover from one concussion. It's another thing to recover from a concussion while you're recovering from another concussion. Was it four days? That piled on top is two concussions piled on top of each other. Second impact syndrome. I'm not necessarily the most well-read. I'm not necessarily, you know, there are people like Chris Nowinski who goes into these studies and who has been after, who's been going after the NFL's ass for quite a while now, just when it comes to their mishandling of, concussions and brain damage but when you consider the fact that he's recovering from two separate concussions at the moment you gotta handle this situation very cautiously i don't i don't i don't know if he'll be over the whole season but like it's one of those situations where you don't even want to see him anywhere near football sees anywhere near football field within like 10 games from now maybe even the whole season it would probably be three to five weeks before he can start doing any sort of physical activity like light jogging and then it'd be two weeks before he can do his actual workouts. It'll be another week before he can actually put his helmet on and go onto the field. Like there is, if they follow the protocol the way that it's written, it should be about a, an eight to ten week process for him just to be thought of being reinserted back into the lineup. I'm guessing he'll be back by Thanksgiving. Just as far as how the NFL works. Well, it is the and, yeah. It is the Dolphins. He'll probably be back before things. I'm surprised he, he flew back with the team. He should be back at practice tomorrow, yeah, right? Because the best way to treat concussions is put a guy about five five hundred thousand feet in the air and, and, and with high air pressure. In the, in the there you go. Uh, they watched McGruber, so so everything's good. He laughed off McGruber with McDaniel, so everything. They watched concussion good. with Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, just 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 put that movie screen in front of him, just with all the flashing lights. That's great for. People who are recovering from brain damage as well, too. Just, you know, show them a TV screen just with bright flashing lights as well and put them through an airplane less than 24 hours after they literally just less got than four hours And let them sleep. Let him sleep. We put the VR goggles on him afterwards so he could watch film and be prepared for, you know, he's got a game coming up. <laughs> hey, were the Bengals ex- – are the Bengals, like – when I was watching that game, when before Tua got right before he got hurt, like the possession before that, and then the series before that, they were talking a lot of crap to him. I noticed that after one of the times they hit him, like they, they, I think it was Hendrickson, like, or not him, not uh, one of the guys was going was yelling at him pretty good. What 
Was there something personal between? It just seemed like they were going at him like at a different level. Like to me, like it just seemed like it was personal for the Bengals a little bit. I hope that they take every game that they play. Did you see him talking crap though? They don't know. They were. Rev and I were actually we were recording. I didn't get up and start watching the game until Tua got knocked out. That was the first play that I saw. They were were on it that game. They were on. I'm glad. Look, Look, they have. The Bengals last year invested like $70 million into their pass rush, and this year they invested $100 million into their offensive line. So I'm glad. Like, take everything personally. Chirp at every quarterback that you play. I, I did see B.J. Hill was the guy who sacked Tua, and he was the one that, quote, injured him. He said he came out and made the statement that he obviously didn't want that to happen, wasn't it was his intention. So they probably, they probably were tired of hearing about how good the Dolphins are. Yeah, and you're always going to get some captain hindsight whenever there's a situation like this where they're going to say, oh, you shouldn't have tackled him as hard as you did. You shouldn't have ragdolled him. You should have known to it was injured, this and that. And it's just – it's a hindsight take. You know, did I saw get, that kind of circulating around. It? It's just stupid. Oh, well, it's yeah. Yeah, it, was it, was it wasn't a foul. It wasn't nothing during yeah. It was a football play. He actually, he actually followed the rules and didn't land with his body weight on top of him because mm-hmm. that's what he could have done. He would have gotten flagged for that. But he also probably wouldn't have concussed to it to the point that he did. He did not Tony so, Saragusum. He did not land directly. On top. <laughs> that is the most fun YouTube compilation. Is just Tony Saragusa falling on people. And yeah, I can't imagine. I can't being at the bottom of some of those piles. I can't imagine just that one massive human being laying on top of me. Okay. Oh, uh, the big thing that came out of this game: the Bengals are now tied for first in the AFC North. That's. How you feel? How you feel, Jimmy? Take a sip out of that cup. Take a sip out of that cup. Where's that cup at, right there? You're on pace to be AFC champions again. <laughs> we can do this. I know we have this. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna finish up talking about the rest of the games on the other side, and we'll get into some Monday night predictions. You're listening to Talking the Gridiron, the exclusive home for NFL content here on the Variety Sports Network with Jimmy Pilato, Darren Atiyah from the Fat Boy Fadeaway Podcast, my co-host. Nico Bryant from the Far End Bench and Riv Coker from the Top and Bottom. We'll be right back. Top of the Mountain podcast on the or, whoa 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 talking the gridiron not top of the mountain talking the gridiron it's late on the Sunday night hopefully everybody's still with us hopefully everybody is still recovering from a full weekend full day of NFL football action and uh, we're back here Jimmy Pilato Darren Tyler from the Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast Nico my co-host on the far end of the bench and Rev Coca my co-host on the Top of the Mountain podcast and we have. A few more games to talk about from today's action. We'll get into our predictions for tomorrow's Monday night game. Uh, Jaguars and Eagles. This one, the Eagles are now 
as it stands, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is that guy. He is currently carrying our fantasy football team for Nico and I in, in the in the King of the Bench Fantasy League. So that's that's what we have going on. Jaguars have been a surprise story, and the Jaguars have actually been one of the more fun stories, I think, to to think about for this season. And they look damn good to start the game. Obviously didn't hold up playing in really, really bad weather also, but Trevor Lawrence initially looked like the number one overall pick, and Doug Peterson has done a great job. It's crazy to think what that team could have done last year if they had an actual head coach instead of uh, whatever you want to call it, whatever Urban Meyer thinks he does. Uh, what, what were our thoughts on this Eagles-Jaguars game? My, my initial thoughts, not to gaslight your brother here, but if, I want, if I'm picking a, a dark horse to be a playoff team, it's the Jaguars. I, I, I mean, that's a team that can sneak into the seventh seed and no one bark an eye. Like, I hate to be that guy, but I would much. I think the Jaguars are a far better football team than the Jets are right now. They beat good teams. They, they, they have gave everyone tests up to this point. No one has, no one has left those Jaguar games like they did last year and went to the club being like, man, I'm pretty, t- I'm not, I'm not very tired. I can go another 48 minutes to 60 minutes in this game. No, after every single game, they know they played the Jaguars, and we haven't said that since what was it, 2017, 20 when they made the AFC Championship, whatever that was. It's been a long ass time since we took this organization with like legit like 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 as as a real threat and, and like i said they, they did a lot of off-season moves Trayvon walker people like why the hell did you draft him he's looked really good josh allen the athletic josh allen on the defense side of football looks great they have some they, the defense has a lot of holes but like i said that's a team that at the end of the season if they don't if they don't have a very good um they have a pretty easy schedule they beat up to the bad teams you can see them sneak into that seventh seed and, and and probably be a first round exit, but our team that could sneak right in very easily. What uh, what else did we see from this Eagles game? On the Eagles side of things, Jalen Hurts didn't do great, but they are still you know, Nick Sirianni has that team moving in the right direction. You don't have an undefeated month in the NFL by accident. So for Philadelphia, what's made them so successful and um their offensive line, how have they been able to bounce themselves back? Because that was one of the question marks coming in. Is Jason Kelsey, is it time for him to retire? Is it Landon Dickerson's time to, to jump in and become the center? And and it's been totally the opposite. But for Philadelphia, what have we seen for the, the birds and, and why are they in this situation where they're the only undefeated team left in the NFL? So while their passing game is firing off on all cylinders for the most part. You like to see that A.J. Brown's had a start that he has. You know, my fancy team has definitely benefited from A.J. Brown getting out to the start that he has. Devontae Smith has finally found his rhythm. So the passing game, that looks all in great. But I think the biggest thing is just the reemergence of Miles Sanders, where it seems like he disappeared for the first half of the season. For whatever re- I mean, for the first half of the season last year, for whatever reason, Nick Sirianni did not want to use Miles Sanders and just want to use Jalen Hurst's legs as the rushing attack. But this year, Miles Sanders is back. He's emerged. You also got Gainwell as the backup, you know, chipping in whenever he can. It's just the presence of that running game, the presence of Miles Sanders. When you have that, when you have that read option, 
abilities of you can keep it with Jalen Hurts or you can end it off to this guy, Miles Sanders. He's good too. When you have multiple threats, and it's just made the Philadelphia offense very dynamic. And I haven't even gone into the other side of the ball, the defense, and just how good this secondary is. Trevor Lawrence looked like a shell of himself just from the previous weeks and how good he looked. He didn't look nearly as good testing this Philadelphia secondary. The uh, the when we're seeing with the Eagles, I gotta be honest, I totally miss Hurts. I, I something in Alabama, I just didn't see it. And then like I I, I thought he would be solid and where he was drafted. I don't I can't think of any player in the last five years that has surprised me more than him, just in terms of how he looks come NFL from how he looked in college. I feel like I miss once in a while, but I was like, I don't know, I just I just didn't see it, and uh, I, I've just been stunned. I mean. The Eagles are probably – they might lead the league in rushing by the end of the year if you could use his yards as well. I mean, he's already got 200 yards rushing. He's got over 1,000 yards passing. A.J. Brown already has over 400 yards receiving. They are just clicking at all cylinders. Now, but Nico, let's remember, he said something very important last segment. You do not win anything in September. So that 4-0 can easily go to 2-2 and next month. You're 6-2, and and you get my – you know what I mean? You're losing a little bit. So I'm still a little wait and see on the Eagles, but, man, they have definitely jumped the gun. That A.J. Brown trade, very impressive. Real quick on the Jaguars, if I can add. Lawrence, remember people did say he might be the next Andrew Luck. I mean, that was some of the talk coming out when he was there, looked at a, like, premier college quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, now that he has a real coach, too, I mean, this to me, I didn't pick him. My brother, for some reason, did pick him to win. God bless him. He's going to win a lot of money if he's winning on it, but to win the division. So, uh I do think that part that we kind of forget, like, oh, yeah, Lawrence at Clemson, he was pretty damn good there for a while. So, um, interesting game. Yeah, Tyler, what did, you, what did you see in this one? Uh, Eagles, obviously, a very fun team to watch so far this season. Do you think that they can keep this thing up? They don't really have any breathing room in their division, funny enough. The Cowboys have helped, helped serve with them. So, they're <laughs> undefeated, but they still only have a game lead in that NFC East. So, what are, what are the Eagles likely to do here? Yeah, the whole NFC East is on fire except for the Commanders and the those whatever they're throwing out every week. Um, but the Eagles still worry me. I mean, Jalen Hurts carried the ball 16 times this week. That's a dangerous number. You don't you don't survive 17 weeks play, running the ball 16 times as a quarterback. I can promise you that. And the AJ Brown trade, he's been great. The Eagles have looked very good. They're worrisome. I just. Uh, I can't imagine Miles Sanders getting 27 carries and Jalen Hurts getting 17 and being sustainable. Like, and they were only playing the Jaguars. It shouldn't be that difficult if you're that much better than you're like 4 0, you're the only undefeated team. I think they've played a pretty easy schedule. I think once they face real competition, they'll struggle a little more. I think they'll make the playoffs just based on their schedule and you can only play who's in front of you, but I'm not like sold on them being this juggernaut or anything like that. The, the reason why I think it's a little more sustainable is because of how good this defense is flying around. I mean, yeah. when you, you talk about Brandon Graham having a rejuvenated career. I mean, the guy was basically dead in the water, kicking to the curb, and now the guy is on, on, on an all-pro level right now with Jordan Davis in the middle. I mean, I, I have nothing to Don't say. Don't forget about Fletcher Cox now. Yeah, Fletcher Cox, too. Like, I have nothing but bad things to say about Philadelphia on our all-show, Jenny. So I'll say good things about them on this show. So I, with, with this team, I mean, I look, Jalen Hurts. I, I said on our show last week, Jimmy. We we Jalen Hurts was was this un, flew, flew under the radar guy in college. 
People forget he won a national championship at Bama. He did without was not as a backup at the Tua. He won. But has there ever been a quarterback who's been pulled from a game because he wasn't good enough and turned into this All Pro NFL quarterback? Like it just he's always he's always had people play for him. In every locker room that he's been in. And you look at the, the talent he had around him. He had great talent in Alabama. Right now, you cannot say that this is some of the best talent he could ever have around him offensively. Talk about the weapons he has on the outside and, 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 and the running game. I mean, like I said, this Eagles team, the reason why I, I, I think this is sustainable, like I said before, is because when, 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 when Jalen Hurts doesn't have his arm going, they'll just rely on Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, what he did the past, the past four weeks has been no, nothing but perfect for this team. Nothing but perfect for this team. It's like, look, what the Ravens – is a great comparison. What the Ravens did at the beginning of Lamar's time in Baltimore, they ran the ball, they ran the options with Lamar and, and the likes of – I can't think of the running backs to top of my head. But the, the, running game, the, the handoff games with, with the Ravens there, and they played good, hard defense. That's exactly what this Eagles team is doing right now. That's exactly what Doug Peterson knows how to do. Because look, that look when when or not sorry, not Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni is doing with these guys. Because he knows when the, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl four years ago, three four years ago, however long it was, that offense was not all that. It was the defensive dogs that were winning that football game. Having a top five quarter and, and Darius Slade back there makes such a difference. And you cannot stress that enough. I, like I said, I think this Eagles team has a chance to do make some noise. I don't. Think that they're, they're they're what 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 I think the Bills could be or the Chiefs could be, but I do think that they they can make some noise. In the interest of making sure that we have some time to talk about the Broncos Raiders game and, and get into our predictions for Monday Night Football, we're going to quickly go through some of the scores. Uh, Seahawks Lions defense optional. Seahawks win forty eight forty five in Detroit. Detroit is averaging scoring thirty five points a game, and they average giving up thirty five point three points a game. So that's that point three point differential. Damn it! That's why Dan Campbell get can't get over the hump. Uh, but defense didn't really show up there. Titans get the win over the Colts 24-17. So now Titans back to 500 at 2-2 two and two right there for the AFC South uh, lead with the Jaguars. Uh, Bears and Giants. Giants win 20-12. First time uh, in a while that I can remember all New York teams, all teams based in New York, did get a victory. Didn't that happen uh, week one or was it week two? Well, yeah, it's it's it not as – it's yeah. been consistent weird, now. So yeah. I will it's say weird. that. It's been consistent, so it is a little bit weird that way. Um, and then in the, the afternoon, Chargers beat up the Texans 34-24. Cardinals uh, take care of business against the Panthers 26-16. And the Packers take down the Patriots in overtime at, in the last second. Bailey Zabka played. Bailey Zabka from Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky Hilltopper played quarterback for the New England Patriots. Damn near took down Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, that one ended 27-24 in Green Bay. So now – the pace that is it sounds what we're all here for. If you've stuck around this long, uh, the gloves are about to come off. This is going to be one of the hardest host jobs that I've ever had to do, but let's just go ahead. Let's throw this out here <clears throat> in Las Vegas at the Death Star. The Raiders, the Raiders take down the Broncos 32 23. Uh, Let's, uh, Nico, do you want to go first? Yeah, let's let's that side. My team lost. I'll let Darren have the Darren have the floor because I team lost. I'll be I'll be. Actually, actually, let me just step in with one question really quick. 
Would you trust Melvin Gordon to hold I don't trust no, no what is. I would not trust the, the Melvin Gordon with anything. <laughs> doesn't matter what you end yes, that Yes, I trust him. It doesn't matter how you end that sentence. I, no, no is the answer. Would you trust him to hold any of your prized no. possessions at all? No. I would not. Hold, I would not trust him to hold the goddamn pillow in his hand. No. <laughs> Four fumbles of the year. I love it. I always said this. I even. I would say the Broncos are the number one team I want to be. Is going to Raiders games growing up in Oakland. My dad having season tickets. It's the team that everybody hates the most. It always feels good. We'll take the one win. If it's two, I always say two wins on the whole year. Let's make them both against Denver. That's always the key. And we got one of them today. One and three. We'll take it. Uh, and it was an ugly fashion like the Raiders always figure out a way to do. I mean, I'm pretty sure if that guy went to drop it, they would have scored. And it, they would have got the odd signs. And somehow we would have maybe lost. But – We'll take it. I know that's how it works. Um, from the Raiders' standpoint, it was finally good to see Jacobs be highly involved today. Uh, he was really good. It was like, I mean, he was really good today, just the way he was cutting the offensive line. Like over get, 40 get points. Run again, going, play the Broncos, and make a little red back. Right <laughs> back on the track for you. But see, that's the thing. I felt the same way when, I, when you score on the very first possession. I'm like, yep, yeah, play the Raiders. There's the Broncos. They can throw the ball now. They got these things going. So, Nothing's more stressful than a Raiders game. I'm telling you, Tyler's right. I just need to buy a week every week sometimes. Uh, but we'll take the win over the Broncos this week, one and three. I mean, yay. But it was against the Broncos, so that does feel a little bit more special. And, and seeing hit Nico's face down there, I will have a better Monday. I'm just surprised so. that you're in Oakland and you still support them after they leave you. Well, it's like, what am I supposed to like, the Niners? I mean, come on. I, Hell Yeah. If you're if you're if you're a super sock, are you yeah. in Seattle? Are you are you an Oklahoma City fan? Yeah, I'm not a. It's like it's no, like no, an I'm saying, it's like I feel like hell. Fucking no, you left me. Fuck Al Davis. Fuck Al Davis. No. Well, Mark's hair. I my my joke. Yeah, Mark, Mark Davis is a, is ridiculous. I that pisses me off. I get all that. The penis haircut. I can't just change my team there to the Niners. That, I hated the Niners. I can't wait. Like uh. All right, well, all right, now let's get to the Go ahead. Up. I want to hear you. Bad, before before Nico get, gets going, Josh Jacobs and Fantasy put up 40 points today. So he we're going to get to our, our Fantasy Heroes of the Weekend. Uh, if you had him and you put him on your bench, uh, I feel I feel for you. He he should have been in your lineup. Okay, Nico, how do you, how are we doing? Does, uh, does well, the tweet – does did, did Rollins have, sum up your feelings for today? Oh, do you hate football finally? God. I I just – I oh. Look, look, if, if, if you listen to me last th- two years watching – or three years I'll, through our show, watch, listening to our show, listening to Fire to the Bench, you'll know that I am just the biggest Javante Williams fan in the world. You give him the football, and you don't let anybody else touch him. That's, that's literally all you need to do. I have watched Melvin Gore for four years now. Four years. All four years he has not been the best running back on the team. Javante Williams has been on the team for two years. And Philip Lindsay was the other two years. And I'm going to tell you right now, I will die on the fact that Philip Lindsay was a better football running back than Melvin Gordon was here in Denver. Because there is zero doubt about it. The guy, the guy has coughed off the football more times than you could ever think of. Ever think of. No one in the history of football. I don't care if it's Pee Wee. I don't care if it's middle school, high school, college, NFL has had more leeway in fumbling the football and still having a damn job. And you know what? 
I'm going to have to watch him for another 16 weeks because my starting running back just tore his MCL. So, woohoo! I already, like, like, right when I thought I had a chance of Melvin Gordon never seeing the field again and that being the end of it, the end of it all, he, Joe Vontae gets injured. And I get to watch Mike Boone and fucking Melvin Gordon do that for me, to me for another 13 weeks or however long it is. So there's that. There's, yeah, there, there's that. So... So, 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 so the ne- the next thing I have look is this team is not mentally strong at all, not even in the slightest. I, uh, I mean, there's like, like I said, I, we can go back to the offensive line. There is no leadership on the offensive line. You bring in Billy Turner, the guy's not Bullsy dove for that that fumble fumble six. That was a beautiful dive, one of the best dives I've seen in weeks or years. And you know what? At least he showed some effort because the guy didn't show any effort the rest of the game, holding three times already and going back to being number 72. So at least he showed some effort on that play. But, man, you have the best corner, two, the top two corner in football, and he ain't number two in Pat Sertan. Basically, lock up Devontae Adams the whole game. Basically do that. And you have this motherfucker and Josh Jacobs do this to you? I, 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 like, look, you, you begged them to run all over you. And what did they do? They ran all over you. All over you. It wasn't even a slight, slight, slight to it. And, man, I, I and look, you can make the and, – and the jokes are endless about the Denver Broncos and when John Elliott was the general manager wanting a six-foot-five-plus quarterback. But there was a reason to it, okay? There's When you have as bad of an awesome Alphys Lions as Denver Broncos has right now, they Russell Wilson cannot see over the linemen. I sat field side basically against against Tyler's 49ers. I watched uh, the likes of uh, likes of the 49ers defensive line basically in Russell Wilson's face the whole game. The guy, I, I, I'm watching him sit in the pocket. I'm like, why the hell is this guy's footwork so slow? Why is he staying still? Why is he doing this side another thing? What made Russell Wilson so successful in Seattle? He rolled out. He fucking rolled out. Four weeks of football, and I've had one rollout. Not one. Not one. I mean, look, I'm sitting here two and two. I'm 500. It could be a lot worse. That's the good thing about this. You lose this game, the season's not over, right? The Raiders had to have that game. You lose that game, your season's over. Broncos, you still have a shot here, but you have to figure it out. Like I, like, I, like I joked last week on our show, being like, you know what? Maybe Sean Payton's the answer. And maybe may, maybe Hackett doesn't have the nuts to, to be a head coach in the NFL. Because right now he doesn't have any nuts at all. and does not have the cojones to call plays at the right time. But, man, like I said, it's frustrating watching these games. It is, I, I wish that I didn't watch this game, if I'm being honest with you. I wish I would have watched the Packers game and just got score updates because I would have felt a lot better. Instead of watching this piss poor offense every damn week do this to me, I mean it's 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 demoralizing every damn year. I'm here being like, you know what? We, we finally have a quarterback. Oh shit, this offense is gonna be good. <laughs> nope, tough luck, Nico. Behind door number two, that's even a worse offense with Russell Wilson. Doesn't matter who's opening it, it's still gonna be worse. So yeah, that's my two cents of the game. Sorry to go on a, a five-minute rant there, but yeah, I that, that look, it's 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 frustrating because look, like Darren said, if there's no one I want to beat more than the Raiders, there's zero nobody. I don't care how the Chief, how good the Chiefs have been for six years. I don't care about the Chargers. I Darren and I probably have the same thoughts about the Chargers, how they're a piss poor organization and that they'll always be mid. 
They'll always be mid. Doesn't matter if you're the top five quarterback. They'll Everybody's always catching be mid. stray bullets now. Always be mid. But man, if there's <laughs> one team, everybody's getting mid. If there's one team I want to be every damn year, it's the goddamn Ravens. Not this year, buddy. Not and Jimmy, your Bengals have sucked for 31 years. And Rev, Kenny Pickett's got small hands. And and Tyler Russell Wilson beat the 49ers 16 times playing peekaboo behind his offensive line. An hour and a half now. We've been going. Yeah, I'm holding that in for an hour and a half. I'm surprised it took me this long. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that game. And, and welcome to my – thank you for coming to my TED Talk. As if your own quarterback wasn't also being thrown under the ring for having small hands, Jimmy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that, but I just – look at my favorite acting that I've ever seen was Kenny Pickett in that Whopper commercial. Oh, yeah. I got these tiny hands. <laughs> Somebody else needs to hold my burger, please. Okay. Um, the the two the two of us or the three of us that didn't have anything else invested. I mean, I kind of have a little bit invested just because everybody's going to be pissy tomorrow now that the Broncos lost to the Raiders. Um, anything else that we saw that maybe we weren't as emotional that that didn't bug us quite as much? What what did we see in this game? Started off really good, and then in the second half got turned into kind of a stinker. I don't know if that's the same opinion that, that you guys had, Tyler and Rev. Uh, the, the Raiders and Broncos, what do we think? I mean, as far as the Broncos go, as Nico was saying, why are you giving any carries to Melvin Gordon? I've been saying from at least the beginning of this offseason, Javante's a stud. Like, I mean, I haven't had Javante. I mean, Javante in general is a stud. Like, you got hurt, so now you got to do what you got to do. And then as far as the Raiders go, I just these wins I don't buy. I'm not – I don't see the car love. I saw this a lot of top ten like car? Derek Carr. I just don't see the top ten Derek Carr like love. I just don't see it in him. You can have him if you want. He's not my. He's not the guy I want. Nico, I'm a Niner fan. Obviously. Against, are you scared to see Carr on the other side of the? Hell no. There's no chance Hell you're scared. No. Fuck no. Let's <laughs> no. go. as a Niner, as a Niner. Well, it all gets my juices flowing. Even more Tia McDaniel's over there. That makes me that kid, that that made me think we were gonna win the I game. forgot we that almost did win that game because of him. Get a little yeah. fucking onside pick in the second quarter, down up ten to seven. Come on, I mean, you look, your team, good for you guys. You beat us. Josh McDaniel's is gonna be fired in two years. I'm gonna tell you right now, he is not anything you think he could be. How do you really feel? <laughs> I, I, I could I could go on a two hour episode about Josh McDaniels. I, with that picture with Josh McDaniels, Kyle Orton, Brady Quinn, Tim Tebow. Yeah, I lived that. Okay, that was not a fun time for me. Yeah, I had Jamarcus Russell. As a Niner fan, though, like you have Russell Wilson, that guy scares the living shit out of me every time we play him. Like I called on my other podcast, I called him my dad. Like he literally owns the San Francisco 49ers. He literally him and Von him and Von Miller can go or Bobby Wagner, I mean, can go like get a room. I those two just own the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Rev, what'd you see? You're you're obviously in my boat where you're, you don't care if the Broncos win, but it makes everybody else a little bit happier. So what'd you see in that game? <laughs> well, something I saw in this game was the Raiders' offense being on the field too long because 
well, for one, it's a running game that was very successful, and Josh Jacobs and this Raiders offensive line just kind of just gashing all over the Broncos defense, in which up to this game, they haven't really shown too many weaknesses. One of the better defense in the league, but they show some chinks in the armor, perhaps not the strongest of linebacking cores, and perhaps maybe the interior defensive line not as strong as the defensive ends that they have. So there's that, but also on the other side of the field, something that's going to extend and help you keep the ball even longer is converting on third downs and ultimately not being able to convert on third downs has just really shot this Denver Broncos offense in the foot. There is a lot of that. And obviously too, not only did Devonte Williams go down, Randy Gregory's also uh, out currently with a knee injury and had been starting to actually solidify himself across that, that defensive front. I was very impressed. Here's the one thing I will say, DJ Jones, looks like he's going to be a very good pickup and he's going to be solid. You're not missing much in the Shelby Harris, missing out on Shelby Harris. Draymond Jones, DJ Jones. Uh, I heard one of the the local guys calls him the law firm of Jones and Jones. Uh, They're going to be good interior defensive linemen for a few years, however long they're able to keep hold on. Defense will be fine. Think about this. What what was the final score of the game? What was it, like 20? Would it be fine? No, 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 no. Hear, hear me out. Hear me, hear me out. Let me let me look at the final score of the game because I can't think of it at the top. It was it was thirty two twenty three Raiders. Okay, so so so. What was it again? Thirty two twenty three. So so Raiders. Think about, yeah. yeah, think about this. The game's twenty five to twenty three. If your offense doesn't do what it does, like 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 think that fumble, it's ten to ten, second quarter. Denver Broncos are driving down the field. You are in the you are you are ten yards out of the red zone. You cough up the football and go six the other way. I don't care if you tackle him. That, like you do not like that's such a momentum changer right there. You have you 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 stopped the Raiders, you did all this, and you're driving down the field. And Melvin Gordon does what he's done the last four weeks of football. I, it, that's that's the game. The game, as far as I'm concerned. It, 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 and you, we are a bunch of practical bursts out here, basically, just shooting ourselves in the foot, one after the other. Most penalized team in football, and you're 2-2. Two and two. That's a positive. I don't know how, how, many, how many most penalized teams in football the last couple of years have been 500 week, four weeks into the season. Because, like I said, it's a mental aspect. This team is mentally weak. Absolutely is mentally weak. And, and look, and look, I'm shitting on my team so much, but there, there is enough kudos to go around to what Josh Jacobs did to this team. Because, like I said, he was a hell of a back in Alabama. And when you're the Raiders and you can beat a, a top defense like they did in the Broncos and you don't even use Jaron Waller or DeMonte Adams, that's a major win. That's a major win. That's a good thing for things to come, for them to turn this back around and get things going for the future because like, like you said last they could be 4-0 technically like, like they it's all been one possession games the last four weeks for them so so like i said this is a positive for the raiders absolutely and if you're the broncos this is the worst thing you could have had uh yeah i don't think that there's much much debate for that it wasn't good they're gonna have to be better uh is Nathaniel's Nathaniel Hackett's seat hot? I know Nico. I don't Nico. We don't need your opinion. I think that everybody can can decipher what you're trying to say. Uh, you're trying to say Kyle Shanahan come back home. I know you said it on our show. So I'll say it every the year. other the others of us that are on here before we get into our our Monday night predictions. Uh, is Nathaniel Hackett's seat is it warming at all? Do you think that uh, do you see a possibility where the Broncos maybe move on from him either? 
before the end of the season, at the end of the season, where where does his performance as a head coach put where, where you think the confidence is in, in Nathaniel Hackett? I mean, I would I would think that if you're the GM of a team like this and he's your head coach, and if the games continue like this, you would be like, gosh, I can't. How are we going to beat some of the best coaches in the league in the playoffs here? Like, I, I, I that's where almost I'd feel like if I was a Broncos fan, I mean, unless he coaches better, like, you don't want him to go maybe 10 and he don't want him to make the playoffs. Maybe he gets another year or something like that. And that's just kind of my joke with it, you know, in that sense of it. But he does, he, he definitely feels a little iffy there. There's just some game decisions there. The first two weeks, I mean, though, that was, I mean, I was, like I told Tyler, I was joking with him. I was like, I was coming in and out of changing my daughter's diaper, and I understood the game situation better than he did in a couple of those. So I I was a little confused. I, I'd be surprised if he lost his job in one year, but it's not unheard of in the NFL. Yeah, so as long as he's not out there just, you know, acting complete fool, you know, as long as he's not out there just going full on Urban Meyer, just, you know, just doing irresponsible things off the field, he's at least he's at least going to have until next year. However, it's a little concerning, you know, someone who was being advertised as more of an offensive-minded coach, just, you know, just with his work he was doing with Aaron Rodgers as well in Green Bay, just getting into this situation and not understanding, you know, situational things as simple as clock management. It's definitely very concerning that Denver just hasn't quite gotten what was being advertised to him. The thing about them, it's the offensive line. I've watched the last two weeks for the most part, and the offensive line just seems not existent. Like, is, no. unless Russell Wilson's height is that big of a detriment, no, and there's false. that's false. <laughs> there's really like he gets nothing, and like the first two weeks, even before that, I saw the scores; it was bad. As far as Nathaniel Hackett, the only way I could see him go is like a scenario where Niner fans have this love-hate relationship. Either you love him or hate him with Shanahan. I love him. I don't want him to go anywhere. But there are Niner fans who are like, oh, get out of here. And if he gets sick of being in San Francisco, which previous coaches and owners and GMs have done, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in Denver. It seems like a perfect landing spot for him with Mike and whatnot. But so Nathaniel Hackett, is he a placeholder? I probably, because it's going to take a little while, I feel like, to build this roster to, like, a win of, like having a good enough team to be, like, successful in the playoffs. My my two cents. I, I'll be quick here. If, if, if Hackett will get a second year, unless someone is big name is out there, they're not going to fire him. If it's going to be another quarterback coach search like he did last offseason, if you can get a Sean Payton, if you can get a Kyle Shanahan, if you can get one of those big names, then 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 the conversation starts. It doesn't Dan start. Uh, 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 what was that, Jimmy? Dan Quinn. That, that he. I I don't think they loved him. I think they want an offensive coach because. I, a giant Evero right now, the defense corner has done a hell of a job with this defense. I don't think that's a problem right now. They don't want another defensive coach. So if you can find one of those big names, big fishes, then he's gone. Because like I said, I the, the, the timeline of getting Russell Wilson and Hackett getting hired and, and the Broncos being in conversation with Seattle at the Combine doesn't match with, with the Broncos saying and, and, and me saying that, that we hired Hackett to get Rodgers. But at the same time, that was the thought, was that he did this with Rodgers. That was the thought. I don't care what, what his track record is. The thought was that he could do this with Aaron Rodgers. He could probably do this with someone just not as good, but someone that could be that level of, of, of quarterback in Russell Wilson. And obviously, if things don't change around, it'll change. 
And we have our, our viewers chiming in here, the square who plays quarterback for the Broncos. So apparently he's played bad enough that we no longer call number three his name either. He's now the square who plays quarterback for the Broncos. Uh, yeah, and I, I do think that Ciara might be – maybe Ciara is a little bit too much of a, a disciplinarian at the house. Maybe they should have stayed in Seattle, a little bit more granola, a little bit chiller vibe there. I think that she's probably making making life miserable for him. Um <clears throat> That being said, it is time. I'm going to put the – let me get the thing up here. This is a bad producer here. I, I feel like I've been okay tonight. but we'll, You've been good we'll, tonight. Very I'll good. figure it out. Here we go. Been on two hours. Ah, found it. Monday Night Predictions. Monday Night Football. Uh, by the way, the Sunday Night Football game, the, the Chiefs are still really, really good. And, yeah, and Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bambi figured out their beef. They beat uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 41-31. In Sunday Night Football in Tampa Bay, same field that they lost uh, Super Bowl 52 on. So Patrick Mahomes gets a little bit of revenge. He ties the series that he has with Tom Brady at three games apiece. So that was the the Sunday Night game. Monday Night Football, it is between Tyler's San Francisco 49ers as they host the Los Angeles Rams for their first meeting of the season. First time that these two teams will be going head-to-head here. The Rams back to 2-2. and have Cooper Cup rolling. We obviously saw Tyler's reaction to last Sunday night's uh, loss to the Broncos when the 49ers were playing during our our recording of this show. So that being said, Rams 49ers, Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Are you picking your team? What are your thoughts going into tomorrow night's game? Is it as dire as, as maybe some of us are thinking? Uh, Yeah, I think it is as dire as everyone's thinking. And to be honest with this, guard center guard combo the Niners are throwing out with Brendel Banks and some guy who started two games on seven different teams. Aaron Donald's going to keep us alive. I, I just don't see the Niners beating the Rams on Monday night. It's the, the we Jimmy G. I couldn't imagine throwing like 10 touchdowns the rest of the year, the way he throws the ball. It's like a little pillow. He throws out there it wobble. It's just, there's never anything on it. Debo doesn't run routes anymore. He just hangs out in the backfield hoping to get the ball. I I love Shanahan. I really do. But I just don't think he trusts anything on his offensive side. Like that's substantial. I'm starting to like convert the, you to that take. I'm, I'm, I like it. Like with the where the where the like foundations built on the O line, the running backs and the quarterback. There's that's the weakness of the team. Like the whole center of the offense. So I just. I don't – it's hard to buy into the 49ers right now. We're one and three. The Rams haven't even played good this year. They're they, But they're finding ways to win games. And Cup's just impossible to guard at times. So, like, they always have that out. So, I just I, – I, I have the Rams winning 24 to 10. Cooper Cup scores rushing touchdowns too, by the way. Cooper Cup is <laughs> – He does everything rushing chat. Uh, Rev, who, who do you have winning this game? Uh, Monday Night Football, 49ers versus the Rams. For the most part, I kind of agree with that, just simply the game being a defensive struggle. The way I see both teams are kind of struggling to have holes on the offensive line, that guard center guard combo that he brought up is very shaky on San Francisco's side. Los Angeles with the Rams, he got some holes. With no boom playing that left his left tackle. And then Corbett leaving the right guard spot, going to Carolina. There are a couple of holes right there in which San Francisco, in which if they have anything, they still have a very good defense on all levels. Playmakers that 
whether it's Jimmy Warren in the secondary or Fred Warner at linebacker or Nick Boza up front. There are playmakers on all levels, enough to make this a very competitive game. But I can see this being one of those matchups where both teams' pass, pass rushes are getting after it. Both quarterbacks are left running for their lives all game. But ultimately, Sam, or ultimately, Los Angeles just has more firepower than San Francisco on the offensive end. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. Jimmy G in that 49ers offense just look extremely dysfunctional. Yeah, and just the safety that he got was just the icing on the cake. So I think right now the Rams, their offense is firing on all cylinders a little better than San Francisco. That safety fight you guys mentioned on your podcast, The Far End of the Bench, he saved him five points, though. So it was a big play overall. He did do a nice job that safety. <laughs> he did save him five points. I'd mainly bring it up because Dan Orlovsky thought that we it's no longer the Orlovsky. He was running like a scalded dog away from Jared Allen. He's like, blow the damn, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. Please get me out of here. At least Jimmy G just like accidentally. Oops, 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 saved you five points. Um, Two oops. <laughs> There's more than one oops. You can, tell he wanted, you can tell he wants to get rid of that one. Big big oops was the big oops was the pick six. Little oops was the accidentally stepping oh. out of the back of the end zone. What a smart uh, guy. Real, real playmaker there you got there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, the, the Niners have owned the Rams the last, like, since McVay and Shanahan have been at their team. But them getting Bobby Green in the middle of the field, they've had, like, Dan Reeder, who's a terrible middle line. They could not guard a tight end and a running back, which is our strength, is we throw to Kittle and we find ways to get the ball to either Mostert or uh, Eliza Mitchell or Jeff Wilson now. Like, we just – that's getting the ball to who the middle linebacker is guarding. And Reeder could not guard anybody. And with Bobby Wagner, who, like Russell Wilson, is 17-4 and four against us, it just – he finds a way to make plays against us, which gives me even more or less faith in the Niners winning this game. I'm going with the Niners. I, I, I just think I, I think the Niners win this one. I, I mean, they're Vegas favored them for a reason. They're favor, you know what I mean? They have their favorite a little bit for they. You know, they're usually they do a little suckers. Something. Well, maybe so, but I, I if I was them, I'll say this: the def, the Niners defense has given up two touchdowns on the whole entire year. I feel I I personally think Bosa is if not one two defensive player of the year, especially on the line. I just think he is an animal. Um, I just like the Niners. And Shanahan has that. He He's 7-4 and four against McVay. The Niners have a weird way. I know it's like, they look they look crappy. They're terrible. Well, they've looked like this a few times in the Shanahan era. And when it looks like they're not going to win, Jimmy G pulls something out of his ass, and they end up winning a game that you don't think they're going to win on a Monday night against the Rams. So I'm going to take My money would be on the Niners to win a game like this. And Shanahan... They're the more desperate team. That's the team I'm going to take. I'll give you they did it just last year, the same situation, basically. Niners They're the desperate. Jimmy they Ward got a pick six in the first half, and they went on to win the game. So it could happen. I just have no faith. Yeah, because you're a negative Niners fan. That makes sense. I would agree with you. Have you watched the team? They've given up two <laughs> touchdowns, and they're one in three. They lost by one point. That's it last week. They're still in it. They were right there. A loss is a loss. <laughs> 11 to 10. It's pathetic. We we, we we got a, a score gami hoed by the way. If you watch the uh, score, the lab, the only other game that's ever been eleven to ten, that there was a last second touchdown that they didn't call. So like it was the end of the game, pick six. 
that they didn't put points on the board. That Steelers <laughs> versus Charger game in 2009 or something like that. So I, I'm just as mad as you are about the score comedy, we, us getting held over that. Uh, but back, back to, but back to this game. Look, I, I'm. I, I said it. I said it on our show before going into the Niners week for the Broncos. I'm. I'm I like this 49ers team. I do a lot. I, I think I'm. I'm. I played fullback, so I love Juice Check. I, 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 that is one of my favorite players in the league. Watch, like I, I, I told Jimmy this, and I said it on our show last week when he made that toe tap catch against the Broncos. A little part of me yelled Juice with the rest of the 49ers fans that were there. So because I love these the fullbacks, and I love watching that. But yeah, I, I, I can't see. I like, like I said, I like what this 49ers team is, but as far as I'm concerned. I think they were too gun shy on 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 trying to jump on Trey Lance so quickly. I think that look, I get that, but look, Trey Lance is not playing enough football. Jimmy Garoppolo is a hell of a quarterback when he was on. When he's off, he is horrendous. <laughs> there is there is there is there is no there is a duality of a man. You either get the Bears performance or you get the Broncos game performance. <laughs> where it looks like oh maybe Jimmy G was the answer. Oh nope, Jimmy G is definitely not the answer. You're, there's no in between. For, for him right now. And and right now, the Rams, like you said, they're hungrier. They're a little more look, look, everyone's counting them off right now. Everyone's like, maybe the Cardinals come in this division, maybe the 49ers good. No one's kind of talking about the Rams coming off a Super Bowl win. They get their ass kicked on Thursday night football, first game back against the Bills. And after that game, everybody's been like, oh Rams, maybe they're good, maybe they're not. This is the exact same thing they have last year. Our defense keeps them winning tough games and then when it's out, get number 10 the football. When in doubt, Stafford, he did it with Megatron. That's why the Lions were in the playoffs, what was it, 10, 15 years ago. You get the ball to your playmakers, and that's exactly what he does with Cooper Cup right now. And I look, if I'm the Rams right now, if you're going to get back to where you were last year, you have to figure out this running game at, at all. Because Cam Makers right now, he had a better week last week, but, but man, he, he, I, I, I want to see him get going a little bit more and get a little bit more – Productivity out of outside of Cooper Cup on the offensive side of football. I want to see the Hegbees. I want to see the Allen Robinsons, especially Allen Robinson, get get uh, get up some get get up some uh, good good uh, good st- statistics in this game. If you're gonna have a shot at at getting back to where you were, because like I said, the Rams don't get anywhere last year without OBJ with, and, and without Robert Robbie Woods for for half the year at, at, as well. So that's what if they want to get to where they want to be, they're going to have to get production elsewhere outside of Cooper Cup. Look, it's nice to rely on him, but you're going to have to go elsewhere too. As for as for the other side of the ball, this is going to have to be a get right game, either for San Francisco's receiving corps or Los Angeles's secondary cuz you see Los Angeles kind of have some scares in the Atlanta game and then the Buffalo game where they got sliced in the second half. The secondary has been a little shaky. Jalen Ramsey's been battling injuries and this is, this is going to be a chance to potentially get things right back on track against a struggling San Francisco receiving corps and passing game in which I'm sure they, they're saying the same thing that they're going to try to get things right against a Los Angeles secondary that's been struggling. So it's just going to be a battle of which, which of these units could get right. Well, I'm I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna make it. Darren, you're the only one picking the 49ers. I'm going. I'm I'm on the Rams. I was on the Rams on our show, so I'm gonna stick with the Rams because uh, I need to beat Nico in this pickup. We're gonna discuss 
we have to figure out a punishment for this year, Nico. We're actually going to do it. So that's my little oh, teaser well, for everybody like to listen. Against me. You just wouldn't come up. You wouldn't agree to one of the stipulations I came up with last year. I said, that's pledge. I, I said, dude, dive into the snowbank. Oh, I would have done it for – listen, I would do it for content. I would always do it for content. But we will figure that out on our episode of Far End of the Bench. I'm sticking with the Rams. Uh we are going, we're right up at the two hour mark. So let's go ahead. Let's send everybody to bed. I know Darren, it's still like, it's only 10 o'clock. Yeah, it's, it's only 10 o'clock where you're, I'll you watch, are. I'll watch a little TV here before I go to bed. Yeah. Uh, the three of us, I, well, I guess I can only speak for I myself. I got to get up in like six hours to go stand in front of 150, 12 year olds. So I would like to go to bed at some point. Uh, Darren, I know Tyler had to jump off uh, real quickly, but where can people listen to your show? Where can people find you on uh, social media? Yeah, look for us on uh, Twitter over at at FatboyFadeaway Sports. Uh, Look for our YouTube channel over there. We put put an episode out uh, every Sunday. Got one out this morning. Uh, If you're an NBA fan, we talked a little NBA league pass there. Got a little juice there with it. Talked a little Niners, Rams, of course. Reflected on the Raiders crappiness a little bit. So, Went from there. So if you want to tune into that, uh, you can find us there on Twitter and uh, at our YouTube channel. We appreciate anybody that uh, subscribes and follows us. Rev, where can uh, – I know that you're right. And so if, if you're not aware, Rev's been a, a, a frequent guest on our show, The Far End of the Bench. He's also a writer for BellyUpSports.com. So, Rev, where can people find your your content? And uh, if you want, you can go ahead and, and plug our show too. So, yeah, you see the ad name Rev Coker right there. That's where you can find my social media, but also – that's a name where if you go to bellyupsports.com, just search my name, Rev Coca. You'll find the articles that I've written. Last thing I've done was just a quick little just recap of last night's UFC event, just briefly recapping just future fights to make from there. So if you want to check that out. But also, I, yeah, I do an RMAC, the Top of the Mountain podcast with Jimmy. If you want to check that out. It's also on the far end of the bench YouTube account, so it's pretty easy to find. Whether you just want to find Jimmy and Nico stuff or – me and Jimmy talk RMAC football. That's all right there. And Nico, you get to do our show because I have to do I haven't done this show. in a while. Let's see if I remember all this. So, yeah, <laughs> we're at, at FEOTV Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, uh, you, j- j- you can follow myself or, or you follow myself or Jimmy on Facebook. We post all of our stuff there, too. Um, like I said, Variety Sports Center, we have, we, have, we have all of our – like I said, we post all of our stuff on, on the pages there. You can check all that out. Um, at variety underscore sports underscore. See, I'm already getting this. Jimmy. You're leading into you're leading into my stuff. I, I, I know, I know, right? And, and and then we all of our shows come out on Wednesdays. Um, obviously, with our work schedules, we we have been doing a lot of Zoom, but we'll expect some more in person stuff coming soon. Um, like I said, the NBA season, NHL season, literally are right around the corner, and we're we're, we're going to talk our heads off about that because at some point, one of our teams is <laughs> maybe me first, or maybe Jimmy first, where one of our teams are unbearable to talk about. So we'll, we'll, obviously we, we coming off a cup win. We got to talk a lot about the abs coming off a big cup coming season for the Joker. We have to mm-hmm. touch about that. And, and like I said, we may even touch a little bit of baseball. Who knows? But either way, we have a lot of football content coming out too. And like I said, uh, um, we, we, we come out, our shows come out on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. Um, Jimmy and I are both working during the day. So um, it's, it's sometimes better to check us out at night. That also works too on your way home too. So Wednesdays at 11 o'clock and, and that's what you can find us on all those pages. Like, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button on this. So it's right below on the Variety Sports Network 
Network. Subscribe to our page too. Um, um, you can you can find all those links pretty easily by searching FEO TV Pod or Variety Sports, and it's and you'll find all those. If you are looking for the best independent sports content, the most independent sports content, the Variety Sports Network is your home. Follow them, like Nico said, at Variety underscore sports underscore. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you follow them on your favorite podcasting platform, all of the shows get automatically downloaded. So when Fat Boy Fadeaway drops on Sunday, the Top of the Mountain drops on Friday, the Fire to the Bench drop on Wednesday, it's all right there in one spot. So follow Variety Sports Network. Um, and yeah, check out each individual show, like the page, show us your support. We do this for you guys because we're just as big of fans as all of you watching and listening. So uh, we appreciate everybody checking out the show. We will send you all to bed. This has been Talking the Gridiron Week 4. For myself, Darren from Fat Boy Fadeaway and his co-host Tyler, uh, Rev, and Nico, my two co-hosts for my podcast. Thank you very much for listening to this Variety Sports Network production. We will catch you guys next week.